0: Welcome back. We're here. It's Thursday. It's December. <laughs> oh, it's December. Yes, sir. that's crazy. It's been December for ten days. It's December tenth. We are here. Um, welcome to the Creative Curious Podcast on this show. We explore life through ideas, conversations, and stories with people of all backgrounds. and we try to piece together how to glorify God better each and every day that we live and so today, I have a, the verse of the day here. Many of y'all probably heard this. It's from one of the most popular books in the Bible. Um, it's Matthew 8, 21. Yeah, Matthew 8, 21. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, this is crazy because... I I don't have a red letter Bible but I this is Jesus speaking and he literally says only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. Now this it's 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 God himself saying this. Yeah. which blows my mind with all of the like the the probably millions of of people mm-hmm. who think that faith is saying a word yeah. in your or saying a phrase in in your mind for sure you know and gosh i i, I want to break that down a little bit more and we can we can jump right into that but just soak that in for a second as i introduce our guest so i'm here today with Cody Mac do you so, realize you have like a rapper name
1: well so like <laughs> it's not so my real full last name is MacMillan, but okay, yeah. So on Facebook uh, and on everything else, though, yeah, it's it's just Mac because I don't nice. like the full the full last name.
0: Go ahead and pull that mic a little bit a little closer. Bit closer. Yeah. yeah, is that better? About a fist distance. So. Fist distance. There we yeah. go. Cool. There we go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you are a former student of Texas A and M, yes, sir. Uh, you love the Lord, but most of all, right now, you're going through seminary
1: yeah concordia seminary in st louis it's my first year my first semester there in this crazy time that we've i mean all kind of been thrown into in 2020 but it's been good and god has been showing me a whole whole host of things in the past couple of months as i've been there um just continuing to deepen my affection for community for the church for the local church specifically it's so weird dude because i don't think i've ever felt a need felt the need i mean the need is always there but i don't think i've felt the need for the local church so strongly Mm. as i have in these past months when when everything's shutting down when everything feels like it's it's closing up when when the church on the outside looks like it's closing its doors like it has to close its doors and but god's just been continuing to open up i mean so much more of his his goodness of his faithfulness and uh his love to to me in that time and it's been it's been crazy to see Mm. what's been going on
0: yeah so i wanted to bring you on here just like for one you've been an active supporter of what we've been doing here yes, which is so cool and so important like uh we're still small and we're trying to spread the word absolutely of jesus we're trying to equip more people and christians with these conversations and just all grow together for like sure. give people this space to 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 be um more educated more equipped in, in whatever way through testimonies through conversations through stories and 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 all of that um and so it's been super cool having you support and reach out and say, hey, this was, you know, yeah. super cool. Um, but I wanted to like talk to you about that experience of seminary because, yeah. you know, a lot of people that listen to this are young. They're trying to figure out what my direction in life is going yeah. to be. A lot of people kind of uh, feel led to missions or feel led to uh, ministry For sure. in some way or form or capacity. And I've thought about seminary myself. Yeah um so what made you decide to actually take that direction it was a lot of encouragement
1: uh, a lot of forceful encouragement from so many people that i love Mm. and trust and care about in my local church uh, in college station in my home church in san antonio so many people have pushed me into this direction kind of (laughs) against my will at Mm. first because (laughs) i mean i just know myself better than i think anybody short of jesus knows me Mm. and i know myself to be a pretty bad person dude like I I know my own heart and I'm like that's that's not something I'm capable of being a minister of the word is not something that I'm capable of but as I became more involved in in serving the local church and just you know trying to uh, live out the calling that has for my life wherever that leads the more people started telling me hey you have a, a gift for speaking you have a gift for teaching and preaching you have a gift for looking at the word and seeing you know what it says yes but then beyond that what it also means for us and how it applies to us how it sits over us in our lives and so those yeah. words from from my youth pastor in particular back home and from a couple of people um, in my church here uh, were were just absolutely pivotal in my heart finally yielding to the spirits calling because I feel like he was calling me for for a good long while and I was like no I'll, I'll do something else I'll teach I'll coach I'll you know, settle for something simple, something easy, something that's not, Mm. gosh, maybe public. I still don't really like the responsibility of of authority. I love feeling like I'm a leader. I love being inspiring and influencing, but I don't enjoy responsibility. I don't (laughs) enjoy having people look to me for the answers for things. I love just Mm. kind of, in my own way, coming to people with answers and surprising them in that sense, instead Mm. of having that expectation and that weight be put on me if that makes Mm. sense so that's been hard can
0: you kind of like break that down why you think that may be yeah Uh, like kind of sitting in this place of like why i'm good at something Mm -hmm. i like understanding things and i feel like the lord is leading me down this place but at the same time like don't come to me for any answers (laughs) well
1: it's actually so funny so we were in the middle of a call process this past year for my local church in college station um and what happens is we have a, a District and then a, a larger national synod that kind of comes in and says, okay, what do you want from your next pastor? How do you want this pastor to interact with this congregation? How do you want them to lead you? How do you want them to preach to you? What's your style of worship? And so we can kind of almost, you know, match you with with a pastor. And there were probably 40 or 50 of us that filled out this survey of what we wanted in a pastor. We all agreed that we wanted somebody who was going to equip mm. us, somebody who was going to equip us as members of the church to lead. But then we didn't want somebody who was going to delegate responsibilities over mm-hmm. us. And so we wanted to have all of the power, but none of the responsibility. And so some representative of the district, <laughs> exactly, dude, it's so funny, but it was so true to actually see that quantitatively, how, how we had expressed ourselves. And, and it was an anonymous survey, so none of us compared notes or anything. It was just truly the expression of our heart as a congregation. We wanted the power and, and the equipping that came from the word and preaching, but we didn't want, sorry, we didn't want the responsibility that, that accompanied that. As leaders in the church and so we had a district representative come and explain our survey to us and say did you notice this did you notice that you guys all want to be trained but then you don't want to be sent mm. you know right you want to feel as though you're in control you want to feel as though you're equipped but then as soon as that call comes everyone steps back everyone's timid mm. it's like no suddenly i'm still not good enough suddenly i still don't have the right words suddenly you know i don't know if if the spirit's calling me, he can't call me. Can he call somebody else, send somebody else, right? Instead of send me. Hmm. So for me personally, um, I, yeah, I love the opportunities. I mean, I was a Bible study leader at church and I love digging into the word. I love thinking about all the different um, ways we can see Christ represented in the word. But then as I started kind of hearing that encouragement, from people, it didn't sound like encouragement. It sounded like almost like an imperative, like you've got to be a pastor. You've got to be a pastor. You've got to step up. You've got to lead. You've got to do something. Um, you, I mean, not save the church by any means, but you, you have a responsibility now because of your gifts to go and use them. And that's true, but I mm. didn't, I, it still doesn't sit right with me because I'm like, well, what if I fall short? And it's like, well, it's not a what if, it's not an if, it's a when. Mm. When I fall short, how am I going to respond, mm. right? That's that's with humility. That's with repentance. And that's with continually putting myself underneath the word and underneath, you know, the authority of scripture and just coming back to that. And that's a process, man. That's something I'm wrestling through like right now.
0: Yeah, we we expect pastors to be perfect these days. And the truth is, like, none of us are perfect. Yeah, not a single pastor, not a single person is perfect if they were. Then there would be no need for this thing called the good news that we have. We wouldn't need pastors if <laughs> pastors were perfect, right? If if somebody could be perfect,
1: we didn't. We wouldn't need pastors. We wouldn't need leaders. We could do as we saw fit. We could mm. lead ourselves. We could be autonomous, right? If somebody could actually do the job that we're called to do, mm. right? Mm. But but because we can't, right? We're we're a pastor is is literally a shepherd, and something I'm learning in, in class even right now is that we are under shepherds of the good shepherd so there is our our master even still as we are tending to the flock and being an under shepherd means that i don't exactly know everything there is to know Mm. about these sheep right only the good shepherd knows absolutely everything Mm. about his sheep He, he knows the hearts of his sheep he knows where the sheep want to go he knows when one of them leads astray and he has a heart for all of them me as an under shepherd right as a hired hand almost i have to confess that my heart isn't always in the best interest of these sheep. I'm looking out for myself too. And being able to say, you know what, owning that, owning my own selfishness actually helps me to be a better shepherd because I can fight that selfishness. Mm. I can be, you know what, I have to submit to the good shepherd and everything that he's telling me to do.
0: Mm. So how do you think that we reduce that more? Because there is like, we, we can submit everything to god like this idea that like we're all we have to sin is false just as if just as false as we're never gonna sin is so these this two dualities of like this idea that you're perfect and this idea that you have to be broken there with jesus you don't have to fall off and so it's like how do you be the pastor or the person because we're all kind of little pastors, we're little Christ, that's what Christians yeah. are, how do we be the person that is like in the will of God, that is absorbing who God is to the extent of like we're just blessing people, because we all know those people, you're like, yeah, we, we know they're not perfect, we, we've seen the faults, but, but for the most part, like they are blessing multitudes of people, like there's just something about them that's radiating yeah. that you just wanna be around them, you just wanna listen, you just wanna be their friend, and it's almost like this uh with spiritual eyes or or with the the lens of of the Holy Spirit, you almost like they're they're so uh captivating to you you just you yeah. wanna be around them, you want to be their friend,
1: yeah, and I don't have the answer from from people looking at me yeah right i people don't always come up to you and say man you're absolutely captivating (laughs) but i can tell you from the people that that i look up to even my peers at seminary there are some of my fellow students at seminary uh, one in particular comes to mind his name is sam he is not without a word of encouragement in any situation he has his own stuff that he's struggling with for sure um and the Lord is helping him with that. But when he's around his brothers, mm. when he's with the people that he is called to serve, he is a positive influence. He is rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. He is weeping with those who is weeping. And he is sticking close to the word of God. The, the closer we stick to his word, to scripture, and actually, you know, when we talk about how do we apply scripture to our lives, a lot of times we, we hear those words and we think, you know what, what are the parallels here? Mm. What are the parallels between what god's word says and what i'm doing between the the ideal and and the reality what application actually means like when we apply a band-aid to somebody that band-aid is on top of your skin mm. so when scripture applies to us as it applies to us it is over top of us always so for us to sit underneath scripture and and to truly submit our wills to the will of god means we've got to know scripture we've mm-hmm. got to be in the word we've got to let that word sink in our hearts and i heard oh my gosh this both encouraged me and ultimately defeated me in in two sentences there was a pastor a professor of mine who said you know what y'all should probably be between prayer and and your you know scripture two hours a day just absolutely diving in and doing that uninterrupted nobody else is, is coming to you and talking to you for anything even when you are in the the parish and in a congregation you should be having you know, at least two hours a day that are completely dedicated to you diving into the word. I'm like two hours, dude, like I've got the attention span of a rodent. You know, I look at, you know, I'll read, you know, a couple of Psalms for, for, you know, 20 minutes and I'll be meditating on it and then I'll be praying through it. And then I'll flip to the new Testament and I'll be looking through and I'm like, Oh, that's something new. That's something great. Thank you spirit for that. But then after 30 minutes, dude, I'm gonna be honest for me, I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. And so to think that, you know what, they're is just so much more than, than me. Even my physical body can take from scripture, shows you just how powerful scripture is. It's inexhaustible. I am completely exhausted where scripture is inexhaustible because there's always something more for me to learn. And that's humbling for me because that makes me more curious. That's mm. like, what else is there? What else have I not seen about God? And then seeing more and more of God every single day as that spiritual discipline develops, I'm just more encouraged i'm more aware of of god in my life and over my life his sovereignty his goodness and his grace i'm just i mean thankful and grateful for that and i think that that discipline that that pattern it's it's got to come back to that and people might say okay well that sounds a lot like religion doesn't it that you know doesn't sound a whole lot like relationship that sounds like you're putting a quota on yourself two hours a day and and as soon as you get through those two hours you've done your jesus for the day and that's it it's like no my religion is my relationship my discipline is what forges my relationship because in this word god is speaking to me in my prayer i'm speaking and responding to god and so what looks like religion from the outside like yes there's a motivation of the heart too am i trying to be self-righteous with this maybe right i've got to own that but understanding that you know just because i am disciplined does not necessarily mean that this is legalistic that doesn't mean that i am trying to justify myself. I'm actually trying this as best as I know how to submit myself to this word and let it reign over my life.
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You brought up something very interesting as far as like, uh, them giving you that like saying, Hey, do it for two hours. Yeah. And I, and, and then you still like getting exhausted over 30 minutes or not wanting to, to sit there for that long or be that attentive. And I was actually meditating on this earlier today or yesterday and just thinking about like i think a lot of us expect once we get to a certain place in our life then it'll just click like okay once i'm in full-time ministry then i'm just gonna yeah. i mean all i have to do is is read so i might as well just do it all i have to do is get my prayer and devotional time right and i was just thinking about that that and i was like i i've thought that before and, and then the next day comes
1: and suddenly it's just as difficult and what our professors have actually said because there's a requirement for all of our professors at seminary to have at least served i think it's at least three years but it might be five years in a congregation to be mm. a parish pastor and they've said you have to form this discipline now because you will not form it in your congregation you are going to be swept away by house calls you're going to be swept away by hospital visits you're going to be swept away away by preparing the sermon each and every week because you have so much of your you know devotional time quote unquote devoted to teaching Mm. towards how am i going to apply this to other people's lives how am i going to apply this word to people's lives in my congregation as opposed to how does this word still sit over me so we have to before we Mm. look outwards right still kind of look inwards and say like all right this word has to penetrate my life before i can remotely teach it to anybody else Mm. and so that's why i mean that discipline's just got to be there and without it we're We're really at a loss. We're doing ourselves a disservice when we think, you know what, tomorrow, it will be better or today I can skip it. Like I can tell you, I have regretted some of my time sitting in class. I've regretted some of my time, you know, hanging out with friends. I thought I could use that time better. I could have spent that time more wisely. But when I'm done reading the word, dude, I've never sat there and regretted spending (laughs) another 10 minutes in the word. And then I'm still hesitant to go back into it. Like, what's up Mm. with that?
0: Yeah. yeah, I I was getting my devotional time cuz my pastor gave me this uh devotion which it's I mean it's 100 year two I mean it's like 200 years old or something like yeah. that. Um and it's so crazy because it still applies, which speaks for the uh <laughs> the the reality of the scriptures and the Christian walk. It's like it's still going to apply because reality doesn't change. Yeah. Like culture could change, all of these things could change, but but reality itself doesn't change. Moral, uh, sub- objective morality does not shift. Right. You know, God is the same. And, uh, I was getting my, my, my time down really consistently and I was f- being filled up and really good. And then I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden I missed a few days and, and, uh, Getting started again's hard. Yeah, like it's weird because like I'm I'm there I'm sitting there and then my phone's right there and I'm like, yeah. And I know when I pick up my phone, afterwards I'll feel worse, but for some reason it's easier to pick that up. Yeah. But when I pick up the word or I pick up a book uh, about God that shares the truths of God, like I'm
1: like, wow, I feel good. Yeah.
0: And and this is because it's truth hitting your heart. You're like, man, okay. All of that stuff is just kind of like it's it's like mud with some makeup on it mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know but this stuff yep. this is like this will reveal you, the things in your heart and it, as long as you just give them up in that moment like you're going to feel better yeah <laughs> cuz it's healing it's like when your your mom like takes a splinter out it's like at first you're like no no yeah, no please, don't doll. do it <laughs> and then oh thank you thank you yeah. for doing it and uh i don't know what it is but but uh it's like we can't, we can't stay in that place of non-discipline, right? And think it's like, well, okay. so nobody's,
1: so nobody is, um, and I've heard Timothy atik talk about this at, at Breakaway a couple of times, but also mm. some other pastors. Nobody in a state of neutral is moving in a positive direction, mm. right? If you're not moving forward, you are in some sense moving backwards. This has actually been really, really relevant for me in terms of my physical health recently. I didn't put on the COVID-15 or anything like that, but I <laughs> like to think that I, I train, I go to the gym, I run, I do all that stuff, but then between about April and really the beginning of November, I didn't do any of that for one because the gyms were closed and I was a little bit hesitant to come back, but as soon as they were open, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until it's safe. I'm <laughs> going to wait until I don't have to wear a mask when I go to the gym. I'm going to wait until you know I, I, I feel like doing it, but I just never got back into it. And eventually my body started feeling that and taking a toll and I felt worse and worse and worse about myself until the beginning of last month. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I have to go back into the gym. That first week, that first two weeks was awful because everything I did was less than I'd been doing before. Not that I was trying to max out. I'm not quite that stupid to think that I could, you know, hit the previous max, but even stuff, my working weights were, were suddenly crushing me and gosh, my body just felt weaker and I felt weaker and I hated myself for allowing myself to become so weak because I hadn't been disciplined with it. Um, I'm not a scientist, but there is a, a window of time between you know your last training session and when atrophy starts to occur. And with cardiac muscle and with your lungs, that's a relatively short amount of time. Is in, if you're a runner and you don't run for a week, you're gonna start to notice those things. If you're a lifter, if you're a bodybuilder, And you don't train for a few weeks, you might not notice it immediately, especially in terms of size, you'll be all right. But after about a month, even, you know, 30 days of not being disciplined and getting yourself in the gym and doing the things that are going to make you stronger by actually, you know, again, putting some kind of weight on top of you and remaining underneath it, you know, having something applied over top of you without submitting to some kind of external pressure, right? You're not going to grow. And so it's not that. The weight of Jesus should be, you know, absolutely overbearing and intolerable for us, right? Because he says, my yoke is easy and my right. burden is light, but it's still something that sits on top of us in that time under tension that we have, that spiritual tension where we're actually wrestling with God's word because our heart, honestly, it doesn't want to hear this, right? It wants to be selfish. When we're wrestling with that word, it's, it's just like that weight on our back or our lungs fighting for air on a run. We have to fight for this. We have to be disciplined and, and sit underneath whatever it is that's lording over us. And that's mm. going to be scripture or that's going to be something else. And we're going to decide what that is. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. We have to like realize that there is two kind of sides to us. Yeah, There's this side that we submit fully to God, this this like the the, the essence of who we are as far as what God made us to be. And then there's this like fleshly, like corrupt side that mm-hmm. came with the fall yeah. and came with the current state of yeah. reality that we're in. And can I put def- yeah. like defining sure, terms sure, on that sure. for a
1: second? So um, Martin Luther actually had um, he's a big fan of paradoxes, mm. but he says we are simul justus et peccator hmm. at the same time, justified and sinning Mm. so christ calls us justified christ declares us righteous we are saints in the eyes of god but we are also sinners bound to our mortal flesh we are bound to our sinful nature and you're right in saying we don't have to sin right we have the spirit in us we have the spirit kind of guiding our will and sanctifying us and sculpting us in the image of god but we also have to remember like okay that spirit wouldn't be there if there wasn't some antagonistic force to that spirit Mm -hmm. Right. Because if there wasn't flesh, then why, why spirit, you know? Right. So it's both of those things kind of operating in opposition to one another that we have to remind ourselves of and and be humble with as a result. So why do you think we we hate discipline so much? Because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, dude. And it requires some, well, a great deal of personal responsibility. You know, there's that great passage in Romans chapter six where, Paul opens up with the question is like, you know, if grace abounds as, as we sin, then, then why not just continue to sin? You know, why not just yeah. continue to go about sinning? He's like, well, by no means, don't you know that if you present yourselves right. <laughs> as an obedient slave, you're you're a slave to the one whom you obey. So you're going to mm-hmm. have a master. And that's what Paul really, really hits on over and over again. So you're going to have a master in this life. You're going to be a slave to something that's either going to be scripture. It's going to be Christ mm-hmm. and the gospel, or you're going to be a slave to something else. Now coming from the position of a christian we would say that slavery is actually liberating when we're a slave to christ because Mm. within the confines of the christian life we we say you know okay don't be sexually immoral right don't watch porn don't do this don't do that there are In some sense lists of do's and don'ts in the christian life and we can't be afraid of that right there's a purpose to them but that purpose isn't so we can justify ourselves that purpose isn't legalistically so we can feel better about ourselves that purpose is so we can avoid the unnecessary pain and tension that comes with sin in our human relationships Hmm. right god is ultimately going to justify us right through christ our works have zero metric in terms of the justification of christ but our human relationships right jesus (laughs) The cross doesn't exactly make peace with your dad, Mm. right? The cross makes peace with you and God. The cross doesn't make peace with you and your dad. You have to make peace with you and your dad, right? So you have this responsibility to go out and and be reconciled to the world. And that takes, I mean, some discipline, discipline in the form of humility, discipline in the form of, you know, repentance, discipline in the form of of giving forgiveness and and seeking forgiveness where, where it needs to be there. And that just means less of me and more of Jesus and we don't want to be less we want to be more we want to be more than we are and that's why discipline is hard because discipline again sitting underneath something means recognizing that there's something above me and we don't like to do that (laughs) we don't like to do that at all
0: yeah yeah it's funny that we we brought up this topic because this is literally the devotional today and it really spoke to me and I'm just gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing but it it says if we do not sacrifice the natural to the spiritual the natural life will mock at the life of the Son of God in mm. us, in us, and produce a continual switcher. Mm. Remember, this is an older, older yeah. book. This is always the result of an undisciplined spiritual nature. We go wrong because we stubbornly reflu- refuse to discipline ourselves physically, morally, or mentally. I wasn't disciplined when I was like, this is quotes. I wasn't disciplined when I was a child. And then he he, res- he responds, you must discipline yourself now. If not, you will ruin the whole of the the person uh the whole of your personal life for God. Yeah. It's crazy because it's it's uh, essentially saying and I think what you're essentially saying is discipline actually leads to freedom. Yeah. It doesn't like Discipline is not binding right. in the sense that we think we're going to lose freedom because it's not oh, totally I'm, binding. Right. Right. Well, it, it it ultimately is liberating because it leads you to the being you were meant to be. And so it's like it allows you to not waste your life, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's, it's that thing, and I had a thought, and it's going to come back to me as I keep talking, okay. so I'm going to just <laughs> keep talking. Um, that... That thought of, you know what, discipline ultimately being liberating is is absolutely correct. But then even in the meantime, it's the difference between freedom to, I have the freedom to do something, and the freedom from something. Mm. So a lot of people look at freedom this way. Freedom to sin in whatever form it looks like. Freedom to have sex, freedom to do all kinds of other things, freedom to um, you know, go against the, the laws of our civil government, freedom to be you know selfish and and bitter and resentful towards my neighbor um that's what freedom looks like to people who who want to be freedom to do everything but christ says you know you are free from sin you are free from death you are free from the chains that have held you captive to this this natural this this fleshly state of being where you know you were you were bound to sin right because that i mean spiritual operation wasn't wasn't there for you of course the spirit is always you know, kind of trying to get into your life and, and soften your heart and, and sculpt you. But the more we are, are resistant to that, the more that we just, you know, are, are not submitting to God's word and really just ignoring it and setting it to the side, the The more we are going to look to do something, the freedom to do something, as opposed to looking to be free from the, the sin, mm. and the evil of this world. So that's, yeah. it's just kind of a different definition of freedom because again, why would freedom, be the ultimate virtue if Christ calls you to be a slave, right? Right. You know, why, why is freedom what we're looking for? We have to ask ourselves in, in our own hearts, say, like, why do you want to be free? Well, ultimately, because some part of me wants to do something it shouldn't be doing. Mm. Some part of me, it wants to go against God's will, go against God's law, go against God's plan for my life. And the spirit says, well, hold on. You think you want to do that, but you actually don't because what that sin will lead you to is death. The wages of sin is death. Scripture make that very 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 clear. So you think you want to be free to do things, but what you what you actually want deep down if you were smart, if you were wise, if you submitted to the word of God is to be free from
0: sin, not free to sin. Hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like that you are a different person since beginning seminary to to right now? Cuz you haven't been in it too long. Yeah. You haven't finished. Right. But I've definitely caught an extra dose of humility
2: Mm.
1: these past couple of months because so I came from Texas A&M, a public university where I was surrounded with great Christian community, great Christian friends, great Christian leadership. And I have, you know, had the word poured into me. Um, What I have not had is a private education where in that curriculum was institutionally gonna look at scripture we're gonna look at doctrine we're gonna look at church history we're gonna look at you know mission as a whole we're gonna look at evangelism as a whole and discuss different theories behind those things i haven't had that education yet i will in seminary but some of these guys actually had a track in their universities called pre-seminary or we're getting bachelor's degrees in in theology or biblical studies which which i just didn't have i've got a different background i've got experience as, as an English major, which helps me in a number of different ways, um, but I definitely came into some of my classes thinking, you know what, I've, I've got this under control. I, I know what's going to go on here. I know my scripture. I know doctrine. I'm, I'm good here. And then some other dudes in the class would just pop out with this historical quote or this, you know, other point that I I wouldn't have even thought of. It's, it's coming from completely left field for me, but it's part of their training. And so I've got to, I've had to humble myself and say, you know what, yeah. if I needed that information at this moment i probably would have been the one to make that point right Mm -hmm. but somehow i've you know if if i needed it i would have had it if god said you needed this bit of information right now he would have given it to me but now you know kind of through my classmates and through my peers and through my professors especially he's saying all right here's new information for you here is new information about doctrine about history not every ounce of which you're gonna use immediately in your career as a pastor, as as your calling as a pastor, but stuff that's certainly helpful for me to to think about and recognize that that is just out there. Man, there's there's so many people who have already looked at scripture, who have already kind of done the dirty work of just parsing out the original languages of the Greek and the Hebrew and developed doctrine and, and kind of extrapolated from scripture what we believe and confess as Christians. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that because if that pressure was on me, I don't think I'd give a faithful reading of scripture, honestly, because my human heart is still interacting with this. I'm so thankful that we have a history of, of orthodoxy, quite frankly, that other mm. people can um, kind of impart to me and that I can carry that tradition forward and steward that responsibly so that we stay within right, the boundaries of scripture and we don't say more than what it says and we don't say less than what it says. We are faithful to the text itself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's been humbling for me for sure because I thought I knew what I was doing and <laughs> I
0: I don't. <laughs> do you, do you feel like like you know, uh I there's many ministers now that haven't necessarily went to seminary mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Um and all different types of people that kind of Right. It, there's I guess what I'm trying to say is there is the value in seminary education. Well, yeah, you can, you can speak on that for sure. But I also want to talk about like just knowing that Jesus is God and following Jesus as a person and trusting in him. Yeah. Is that enough for the, for the, the average Christian to live? So one of
1: my favorite verses, favorite verses of all time, if I had a ministry to start This would be the mission statement verses, Acts 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Mm. So it was the boldness of these uneducated men preaching the gospel, doing works in the name of Jesus that took the spiritual elite of the day, because it's they, the Pharisees, right? They, the Sadducees coming and talking to these people, they were astonished, Hmm. right? And so it's not always the fact that I have or that somebody has a seminary education that blesses somebody, that leads them to make the grand statement of the day in terms of, you know, Christ died for you. Like, proclamation is simply the announcement of the forgiveness of sins by Jesus and Christ alone. Everybody can do that absolutely everybody can and should do that that's the explicit calling of the great commission is to go out and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit he didn't say right all right pastors this one's up to you Mm. right everybody else sit in the pews there weren't pews in the first century dude (laughs) yeah right we have churches evolved and i'm grateful that it's evolved into a very different atmosphere than it used to be in the first century but we've got to recognize you know what we all have a calling as christians we all have a calling to in some sense preach privately that means you know mutual consolation between believers brothers and sisters in christ we have a calling to remind each other of the forgiveness of sins and then also to evangelize to go out from the church and bring more people into that family hmm. right and so to think so the pastor is kind of the norman guide of that preaching and teaching but the scripture more so but the pastor speaking scripture over people is the norm and guide of the preaching that should be taking place privately between all believers right because that word that the pastor speaks to you it's not just for you right that word is for you and every last person on earth because jesus isn't just for you sitting in the pews right jesus is for your neighbor who's lost and doesn't know a lick about scripture and so it's your responsibility having that neighbor right to go and tell Go and tell the story of Christ and and tell your own story. Testify to how Christ has worked in your life and say, you know what? This is what God has done in and through me. Because that's exactly what Peter and John are doing here, right? They're uneducated. They're common men. They're not completely stupid, right? But they don't have the, the Pharisaic education of the day. They're not religiously educated in the fine points of scripture. But they are proclaiming the name of Jesus and they are working in his name. And everybody
0: can do that, dude. I would love to compare and contrast what you think uh, should be uh, still commonplace. Yeah. In uh, as far as what we saw them uh, do in the first century. Yeah. And then, like, what do you think the value of modern day church structure and all of these things Mm -hmm. are, like? is there pieces that we can take from both or is like just the modern day the best way or is just the first century way
1: right and so i think there's been a movement there, there definitely has been a movement in the past hundred years or so to return to the early church and to just absolutely examine first century church and rework the structure of the modern church pardon me to fit into that thinking you know what if we do things the way that they did it in the first century yeah
0: which was the closest to Jesus which is the closest <laughs> to
1: Jesus then everything's gonna work out here's the thing half of the New Testament is Paul writing letters to broken churches right Paul is writing letters to broken first-century churches reminding them and exhorting them to return to the message of Christ and so the early church was by no means perfect it was close to Jesus and you would think you know naturally you know what? I'm closer to Jesus Chronologically, So I can follow in step with his teaching and practices, at least in terms of worship, a, a little bit better. But you can be faithful or faithless in any given time, in any given place, in any given cultural circumstance. And that's what we're finding out now, especially as, you know, church looks different. It looks like it's mediated online in no small part. And people are wondering, you know what, is this really church? Are we really gathering around anything? Are we really hearing the mm. word the way we should be hearing it? And there is, right, something lost in that personal connection and physical space when we do church online, right, when we gather online. But there is also a profound opportunity for connection and immediate evangelism right, in an online setting. If half the people who tuned into my church back home online shared that video every single week we would be reaching hundreds of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people instantly how many of those hundreds of thousands of people are going to watch that video maybe a tenth of one percent but say that's 20 new people 20 new people who are hearing the gospel Mm. who are hearing the word spoken over their lives in a time where we certainly need it we Mm. certainly need hope right now and so not just my church, but really any church that's working online and working in this new mediated age with, with social media and, and technology, figuring out how do we, I mean, honestly, reach out and kind of pester people, you know, yeah. kind of bother people <laughs> and, and make Christ a nuisance because that's that's what Christ is to people, right? He's, God is on our backs and he's just kind of poking at you. He's like, mm. hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And that kind of feeling of resistance it's funny the stronger that feeling of resistance is in somebody's heart they kind of know he's there Hmm. right but they really don't want to recognize him right it's when you've got it's the same phenomenon as when you've got a deadline coming up the more you you know resist it the more you procrastinate that's actually an acknowledgement of the deadline because you're doing all of your activities in, in the here and now to avoid that one thing that's later right and so that that's, that's kind of how people interact when they when they don't want to hear the gospel it's like you kind of know somewhere right that this actually does apply to you but you're also showing that you don't want to hear it so it's it's you know confirming the the validity of the gospel but it's also confirming the depravity of the human heart mm. and that one kind of rejection
0: yeah that's something i've definitely uh been wrestling with is like where is the place for online church like yeah what does that look like i mean obviously it's we're d- we're doing something right now mm-hmm. that is ministering the gospel ministering truth and realities of god to people via online yeah. video and audio so in a way this is a ministry right yeah. or it is a ministry but it's different than church this right. is not church <laughs> you know I, I and i'm not on, on the show i don't think neither caleb or i are necessarily claiming to be authorities right. on on these subjects you know in some ways there's there's knowledge and and uh, uh the holy spirit definitely can speak truths uh but i but but by, by by no means is your pastor on this podcast right now yeah. there's there's no pastor on this podcast right and d- depending on what you consider a pastor. Yeah. There's no ordain. Like your yeah. pastor is not here. Like your pastor is a person that is in your local church. Um, But the th- struggle that I've had is like, is it even church if it's not the gathering of the people? Mm-hmm. And is it still gathering of people? Or right. does, do those need to be two separate things? Like we can put our sermons online, but they're also, if you're a part of a church, you also need to gather in person with people. Right. It, do you believe that's the case? Because I don't necessarily, like if I just did everything online, I would lose my mind. Yeah. And I, I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> because, we we're wired for
1: physical connection. Yeah. We're, we're physical creatures. We we're wired for physical connection that's not mediated necessarily by excess technology. I can tell you the, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, hmm. which just means gathering, right? The church coined it, or it became synonymous with church in the centuries after the bible was written because before it was just gatherings of people so when we are gathering around say a live stream and people are interacting with one another and people are worshiping in their homes that's gathering that's church mm. now when i and i was doing this on the way here when i put a podcast on in my car as i'm driving somewhere who am i gathered with right who am i connecting with i'm being taught certainly right there's certainly preaching and proclamation going on there but is that church is that gathering no and we need gathering because without that gathering we lose the entire purpose of our christian life which is to bless the people around us right right that right. gospel again <laughs> is not just for me right it's not just so i can be puffed up with knowledge and spiritual truth it's so that from that truth i can go out and bless people
0: we right? often as, miss as that yeah. we often miss that don't we that that the most important thing about our christian walk is that the people closest to us are the most blessed? Mm. Like you should be a little uh, radiation, you know, field, yeah. and, and the closer people are to it, the more blessed that they are, not the le- less blessed. Yeah, it shouldn't be like the out outward ring. Like your mission. I yeah. mean, that's where you learn from the Book of Samuel, looking at Sa- like looking at Samuel, looking at Eli, yeah, and seeing especially Eli seeing how great they're mission was but how much they missed the point because they didn't like pay attention to their family yeah and like the people closest to them became very sinful because they were so worried about their mission or job or purpose that they like actually missed their purpose for sure well and
1: so in um in lutheran doctrine we have this concept called vocation Mm. which is effectively I'm gonna have to backtrack a little bit. So I can't be a totally good Christian internally, right? That's that's something that God applies to me, is his righteousness. But a husband or a father or a brother, I can be a good husband, father, and brother because right, those relationships are mediated by Christ. The Spirit is working through those relationships so that you know me as, as a vessel can can be God's mouthpiece to other people. And that's important because vocation is not simply pastor and everybody else. It is just about every earthly title we can give every definition you can give somebody can be looked at through the lens of, all right, how can proclamation happen here? How can forgiveness and reconciliation happen here between family, between friends, between a teacher and a student, between you know, classmates, even there, there are certain things um, that we can do as, as people between people that, that are good, that are righteous, and we can be right with people because of the spirit operating in us. And so I think the more we understand that all of those vocations are important, the better off we'll be, Mm -hmm. we'll start to recognize that we have a role to play. Right. There's a there's a sense in which, OK, I'm sticking underneath scripture, so I'm, I'm lowering myself. But God is actually lifting me up. Right. God is lifting me up and showing me all of these places in which I'm supposed to minister. And he's giving me that responsibility to minister because, well, with his help, I can right? mm-hmm. He He would he would not call you to something that he would not work in you to to fulfill. He would not call you to a role that he could not fulfill. There's a phrase that I do not like in the church that I've heard before is like, God will never put, or God will only give you, or he will never give you, sorry, I'm losing the phrase. God will never give you more than you can handle. He will always give you more than you can handle. Mm. He will never give you more than he can handle. Right? And that's the entire point is God is giving us things that he can handle to show us as he handles them that he handles them right and for us to recognize his sovereignty in our own actions and honestly in our own fallings short as brothers and sons and fathers and classmates to recognize you know what i need god in this i need god for reconciliation i need god for for peace in my earthly relationships because without him i'm i'm sinful Mm -hmm. again right and and i'm selfish and i'm broken and i'm prone to just do what i want rather than what's going to be building up for somebody
0: else Hmm. Hmm. yeah i would love to kind of like switch modalities here for a second um and talk about what your view on like different denominations are and like i mean not every seminary is created equal yeah and so when thinking about these issues within the uh church body globally that we see these different ideas uh that kind of create division Mm -hmm. um where where do we start when we're trying to figure out the truth on those things and how and how much should we even be focused on those because when i look at the scriptures i don't see denominations yeah i see one church right and there seems to be I don't think there should be unity for just for unity's sake. Right. We need to unify around the truth and the realities exactly. of Jesus. But there is disunity kind of for yeah. small little things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. going into seminary, it's probably been kind of, you're like, hmm, what do I think about this? Right. Like, is this person actually teaching me the yeah, true doctrine? Yeah, and, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so there are things that we can reconcile and there are things that we can see and then there are things that we honestly cannot see. Mm. We can see division as it plays out in denominations. We can see um, frustration and animosity and conflict, you know, in terms of worship style, in terms of doctrine, in terms of theology and how we articulate the truths of scripture. I personally think that we can do a lot more to reconcile than we uh, like to do. The problem is this, is that every church functions locally right right? congregations function locally and so if you're looking for a universal kind of reconciliation of the church you are dealing with a lot of people you are dealing with a lot of leaders you are dealing with the scale of different opinions that honestly is just very difficult to reconcile Mm. you know you can look at not that I remotely want to get into politics but you look at the size and scale of our Congress in the United States right and you wonder why there's so much compromise (sighs) It's because 400 people all want something, mm. right? And rather than concede anything, everyone wants to represent their own side fairly and truly. And so there's just this give and take that continues to happen. Do I think that there are things that we split over that we shouldn't split over? Absolutely. Do I think there are points where we should stand our ground and say, you know what? There is a bit of this theology that is unfaithful and we are not going to tolerate it also yes right we Mm -hmm. need we need to be very very careful with how we articulate scripture and who we think god is and who we think people are and and coming from those two places kind of working out i mean the truth behind it the truth that's in scripture but that we don't always see um played out because and the other thing is there there is a unity that we cannot see there, There is a unity of faith that we cannot see because we put names and labels on the outside of things, mm. right? Christ knows the heart. Christ knows whether we're unified in spirit as opposed to in name, right? There there are places where, you know, we might think we're in agreement and we're actually not. Mm. And there are places where we might think we're in disagreement and disunity, but Christ would actually see is like, you know what? That's, that's actually unified. That's actually same, same, but different. Yeah. You know, um, there are... In terms of theology, theology has, I mean, a couple of different definitions. I'm going to use a very narrow sense of of a definition that I've heard is that how we talk about God, right? Secondary discourse, how we talk about God is our theology, right? Not necessarily like what we believe, but how we talk about God, because there is a difference, right? There's what you believe and then how we express that. How we talk about God looks very, very different across different denominations. And I will argue that there are some ways that we should not talk about God, right? We should not reduce God, I think, to just attributes, especially human attributes, where we define those attributes and then define God as a result of those attributes. Example, you look at God as love. It's like, well, God is love, but he's not just love, right? And he's certainly not human love as we see it, because then if we see God as only loving, that suddenly hell doesn't make any sense to us. And suddenly hell is a problem that God has to get off of himself As opposed to a problem we have to you know avoid Mm. right um so there there are certain ways that we you know can talk about god there's there's permissible ways to talk about god in our theology but there's ultimately what we're looking for with good sound theology is what's beneficial right what's going to edify the most
0: people and keep people from straying
1: away
2: Mm. Mm.
0: so is it, it do you think it's bad to talk about god's Character in attributes as in entirety, like if we cover no, all but of I, the attributes.
1: Right. But what seems to happen, especially in more thematic preaching, and the, another problem with preaching is you just don't have time to get deep every single time you right. do it. But when we reduce God to an attribute, right, when we fail to see or fail to recognize, rather, and appreciate the full extent of who God is, and that there's a lot we just don't see, mm-hmm. right? Part of seeing God is just seeing what you can't see. Um, when we try to make sense of God and, and confine him to only what we see, to what we can experience as love, as justice, as, you know, mercy, even. Those are great virtues and, and things that are certainly a part of God, but God is not confined to our earthly definitions of those virtues.
0: Mm. So do you know when the pulpit was like kind of coined? It's a good question. I'm not a history guy. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, uh, what I always wondered is like, you know, I think, there's a place for it, and mm-hmm. I love hearing the messages of my pastors yeah um but i i always I, I sometimes wonder if like something like we're doing is more effective or like a live q and a with mm-hmm. your congregation would be yeah. effective or oh, absolutely you know like more conversational type things more yeah uh yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about the the modality in yeah. which we use?
1: It's definitely, there's, I mean, there's benefits, there's strengths, and there's weaknesses to any medium you use. Um, what's interesting, I don't know, do you all have a Bible class at your church that's separate from the worship service? Not just a Bible study, but a like a an hour dedicated to scriptural study. Is. Yeah.
0: Not on Sunday. Okay. But well, I mean, it is on like it is on Sunday, but we yeah. have this thing called company. Okay. And so it's for like small group leaders. Okay. And then you have different. Right. Uh, so like discipleship, study.
1: that kind of thing in, in small groups. Sort of. Yeah.
0: So it's like uh, a big, it's like all of the, the leaders get together with like the pastors and mm-hmm. then they kind of take you through a yeah. study and then you have other, um, studies right. along that and then you have the internships that do more intensive right. stuff and then yeah. books are recommended yeah. and all this stuff like but looking the, at the more yeah. general
1: congregation and, and why i asked that is i think you're talking about okay instead of in a worship service a pastor preaching and monologuing right and, and just straight up proclaiming a one-way conversation
0: yeah which um, i'm not saying is bad it's not
1: bad right yeah. but especially i mean in light of how you know successful mediums like this are becoming people starting to recognize you know we can do other stuff um they is a Bible class in the church that I was doing field work at and a Bible class at my home church where it's conversational. There's a pastor with a microphone standing on a stage, but he's interacting with the audience mm-hmm. at any given point. So it's like a very large scale Bible study. And sometimes it won't just be one pastor. It'll be the pastor and you know somebody else who they want to bring in for the day. We actually, um, at Concordia San Antonio, my home church, have this thing called Ask Anything. And it's at least two or three times a year where, where our lead pastor and our, our mm-hmm. senior teaching pastor will tag team the sermons for the morning and they just live stream questions in
3: mm-hmm. and
1: they'll answer them to the best of their ability on the fly and that's been I mean super duper helpful for me that's been super helpful I think for other members of our congregation who just have questions but don't always have the you know audacity if I can put it like that to go up to the pastor after service and you know as they're shaking their hands say hey what about right. you know this doctrinal point or another? Um, yeah, there's, there's space for creative preaching and proclamation, mm. absolutely, and I think we would be wise to experiment with that proactively rather than reactively.
2: Mm.
1: you know we don't want to just wait for culture to decide mm. what's effective and then us respond to that and try to mirror the culture. We mm. actually want to be ahead of the culture if we can. Yeah. that requires us to be more creative than culture which is hard to do but it's something that i think if i mean we have creative pastors and people who have a heart to do that
0: can be done i often feel like church should be an all day thing mm-hmm. like it, it almost seems like not specifically at my congregation but at other places that i've visited it kind of like especially with the covid thing yeah kind of just seems like all right it's like a it's like a lecture you no know, you're paying for a uh, you know like a comedy show not like exactly like it's not always comedic but you 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 drive you park yeah you get out you walk in they hand you something you go sit down okay everybody stand up sing a song all right listen all right leave yeah it's like that's where i think the true value of the first century outlook Mm. on church is it's like i don't think that's right the the, the three-step process I don't yeah. think that is
1: what well, and so it's interesting because gathering is you know yeah um, so I've said the word Lutheran just dropping it a couple of times but I am I am Lutheran and we jokingly get called Catholic light on many occasions not because mm. our doctrine is the same but because in worship a lot of Lutheran churches are very liturgical in w- the sense that there's a lot of call and response There's a lot of standing and sitting and participating in the reading of scripture, participating in um, just the, the ins and outs of the worship service. It's not, all right, here's your three worship songs, a 40 minute sermon, and then three more worship songs and you're out the door. You as the congregation and everybody in that congregation is kind of expected to participate and interact in the service. And again, people don't like, necessarily the responsibility or even the word of tradition for tradition's Mm -hmm. sake we're not educated on why we do this but we do it because it's supposed to kind of mirror or reflect an encounter with Christ and so I'm not going to run through the entire service but how we open each service is kind of with a time of prayer and Mm -hmm. and confession where we're admitting to ourselves you know what we're not the best people we need Christ we need grace and, and we just confess that to ourselves. And from that place of confession, you know, we, we sing and, and we do worship and there are prayers said by, by the pastor. And then after that, there comes the the sermon. So it's only after we've first admitted why we're there at church that the word is actually spoken over us. We're never just, you know, all right, showing up and then singing and then doing something else. It's like there's, you know, we're, we're kind of living out an encounter with Jesus and expecting yeah. him to come. And then after the sermon, even, I mean, we practice, I mean, the sacrament, we do communion just about every weekend, if not every other weekend, um, because that's a place in scripture where Christ has said, hey, do this in Mm. remembrance of me, right? Um, This is my body. This is my blood. Take and eat, take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we, you know, it looks kind of liturgical and like bland at times if we don't realize why we're doing it, but it's... A promise of Christ and, and really a command of Christ to say, Hey, this is where I'll be. Come and meet me here. Mm. It's an invitation, right? And so we kind of reenact that. It's a bit of a drama. There's a narrative arc to the service that goes beyond, you know, the two bookends of worship songs and then preaching, yeah. like teaching. Um,
0: My question is like, I grew up Baptist, yeah. quickly kind of became non denominational, right. went to a non denominational church. For that was a i think it started out baptist but uh for four years and then now i find myself at an assemblies of god yeah. church um my question is why identify yourself with anything other than yeah. just christian mm-hmm. and like why put the, the why lutheran put the label yeah. because that's like coined by a guy in the yeah. 1800s right
1: right well he didn't even want to Martin Luther didn't want people being called Lutherans. It's kind of like how Christians were a slur. Lutheran started off as a slur from the Catholic Church. And honestly, if you ask, you know, anybody, strangely, who says they're Lutheran, it's like, ah, but like Christian first, right? Always Christian first. But Lutheran is really, you know, just reflecting on the style of our worship, reflecting on to a degree, our theological history, right? Luther wrote a crap ton of just treatises on theology, and they're pretty stinking good. Um, And so really the only reason we call ourselves that is like all right paying tribute or homage is maybe the wrong word but paying respect to somebody who took the time to open the word and and expose it faithfully Mm -hmm. is, is all we're really trying to do with that and to say you know as a community here is another name not a better name by any means but another name that we can kind of say like all right this this guy was a good guy right we don't try to lift him up um in any sort of way he just he just laid out some doctrine and we agree with that doctrine and that's all it is. Mm, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but that, that brings up a good point And I think more of the heart of your message, like speaking more generally is yeah. Like why, why have denominations? Why try to identify yourself with that instead of Christian? I don't think it's in anybody's heart trying to put Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or, you know, Pentecostal even above Christian. It's because you know what? <laughs> there are a lot of, bad theologies out there and we want to make sure that people know we are not a part of that yeah right and by whatever means you do that like you could have you know just no name on the door as a lot of you know non-denominational churches do and then somebody has to come in and see all right is this pastor preaching faithfully is Mm -hmm. this worship team worshiping faithfully and there's just a lot of kind of cost in terms of the the potential member of that congregation saying like all right i have to figure this out for myself as opposed to somebody who's you know methodist walking into a methodist church and saying you know what (sighs) honestly like google methodism not the foolproof way to do it but like kind of see like all right what do they believe about jesus what do they believe about you know you know salvation and justification it's like does that fit does that not fit with what you know i believe personally and then right it kind of makes church shopping easier Mm -hmm. in a place in a time especially where there's so much competition if i can use that word so many different and and well thought through um ways of of looking at scripture that people just have to kind of sort through right and the Mm -hmm. name kind of gives you a a very short way to sort through it's shallow absolutely is it helpful in some sense maybe
0: yeah yeah so you you kind of spoke earlier about like being kind of pressured in seminary and this idea of like you're you're doing this so kind of the end result is become a minister of some sorts what is that like feeling that pressure maybe knowing that the lord's will could change yeah in that yeah um
1: being faithful where i'm at doing the next right thing as secular and cliche as that sounds is honestly what I've broken it down to for me because I could sit in anxiety and worry about whether or not my calling is going to change or where the Lord is going to take me. The short of it is this, two and a half, wait, three and a half years from now, I'm going to get a call to some congregation I know not where. I have zero idea where. I can put A couple of suggestions into whoever's in charge of that decision but i honestly have no idea where Mm -hmm. i'm going and that's something i agreed to when i signed up for this i'm gonna get a call somewhere i have no idea where and that's taken also like some humility for me to say like you know what i would love to be back in texas i would love to be back in san antonio i'd love to be with my home church i'd love to be in a big church i'd love to be in a contemporary church there's a lot of things that i would like but honestly i have to submit my desires to god's will right Mm. and if god's going to send me somewhere he's not going to send me somewhere empty-handed he's not going to send me somewhere where he's not going to be and trusting in that and also i mean trusting in the future members of my congregation to also be faithful i'm not going to walk into a place of pagans right i'm Mm. not going to walk into a place where people have no idea who jesus is and do not want to follow him i'm going to walk into a situation Right, where they are in some sense established, unless I'm planting a church, uh, which would be fun. But, you know, more than likely, I'll be entering into a place that's established with faithful believers Mm. who are more than likely much older than me, who have gone through the ins and outs of church life and ministry, and who can honestly disciple me. As I'm preaching to them. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That's super exciting for me because I get to, I mean, learn from everybody.
0: Yeah. I was talking to my buddy last night. We we were in Houston and we were talking about this stage of life that we find ourselves in being kind of one of the weirdest stages of life. Because it's like the most pressure that's ever been on you. Also, kind of the most freedom in the sense to choose what you want to do. Uh, But like this kind of post-grad yeah. area where you either you got to make some decisions. There's like some worries. It just seems like everything is so intense yeah. in this time period. And so like with people right now listening to this, trying to figure out who they want to be or like what they want to do or yeah. like what that looks like, what God's calling is for them. Like, you know, you chose this one path, but it's like, we kind of find ourselves in this place of like, we're expected to know everything, but we really know nothing Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, who do you think puts that expectation on you? I guess society, right? Really? I don't know. So like,
1: (laughs) well, so I, I hear that word expectation and and I said it earlier, but honestly, I put more expectation on myself than anybody else.
2: Mm. Because
1: when I talk to my parents, dude, they're super supportive of everything I do and I'm blessed with that I know that's not the case for everybody I'm super blessed to have supportive parents when I talk to my friends and my pastors they're super supportive of me Mm. and they recognize that you know what I am very much starting this journey and I'm on a journey right there's not necessarily a point right now where I should have figured it out otherwise I wouldn't (laughs) be in (laughs) like i wouldn't be in seminary if i figured it out yeah right i wouldn't have gone to college if i'd already figured it out before college i wouldn't have stayed in college if at some point in undergrad i would have figured things out right everything god is calling us to is a bit of a process Hmm. right the only end destination for us as christians is heaven right that's when everything's figured out and guess who figures that out god not Mm us right the the weight of expectation Should not be on us. We have hopeful expectation of heaven, right? Of that eternal promise that's been given to us. But in terms of this life, in terms of as we're walking through our early 20s, our late 20s, even our early 30s, as it's coming to figure out or coming to be for most of us, we don't have to have it all. What does that even mean? How do you quantify having (laughs) it all together? Right? (laughs) Because you can break that down into, all right, am I married? Yes or no. Right. right. Do I have a house, yes or well, no? Well, why do
0: we put so much pressure on ourselves in that aspect? Why do we feel like by the time we're 25, we need to be yeah. married? We need to have like it's a, a comparison, financial, whatever, yeah. comparison you think?
1: Well, because we, and I don't want to play the social media card. That's the last thing I'm trying to do. <laughs> but it's certainly amplified by social media, right? Because we can see anybody mm. who's more successful than us. So, and who are you going to, sorry, and yeah. who are you going to, fixate on when you're scrolling through your feed are you going to see the 98 people who don't have a house or are you going to see that one person Uh who's got a really nice house what's your brain going to be wired to and attracted to it's the thing that's better than you you're not attracted to something that you
0: think is less well you you. can't take a picture of a house you don't have right yeah that's true so it's like you're only going to see the best yeah and the highlights and, and yeah. this and that, especially around this time, all the people getting engaged. engaged. <laughs> like this is engagement central right now. Yo,
1: I'm gonna be real with you, and this is not something I'm super proud of, but I've done it for my own mental health. When somebody posts an engagement picture, I go to the like drop down menu and mute them and I mute them for sixty days <laughs> because I know everybody's gonna be congratulating them. I oh know my, my fifty mutual friends with them are gonna be commenting. Congratulations and every person who comments a week from now, I'm gonna get a notification that they commented. So I just mute the post. I don't mm. unfollow the person but i'm like i'll mute you for 60 days until this <sighs> wonderful time for you has worn off and i don't have to see it because mm. i don't want to see it honestly
0: yeah yeah so wh- wh- why don't we go there then because yeah. y- you brought up social media i don't want to talk about social media as a platform oh, being sure. something but i want to talk about social effects in christian circles yeah. right now and like how it's almost because everything's quantifiable now mm. Like in the sense of or we think it is right, it's not actually quantifiable, right. it's, it's a only, really shallow quantity, yeah, we put like little numbers and stuff on yeah. it um but like explain or or what what do you what do you think the current current social environment in the church in the u s is right now' Because it yeah. seems like crazy you've yeah. got pastor here that has a million followers, mm-hmm. you got. People inside of your church like seeing each other's stuff all the time yeah. and kind of getting an image of who each other are, especially yeah. if you don't know that person super well. You you see their like feed and you're like, oh, well, like they look cool in a worldly sense, you yeah. know, but also like I know that they're, you know, they love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you weigh those two things yeah. together and it just it seems like this really like weird thing that's happening yeah. right now in the church that wasn't ever there before
1: maybe not in the not in the amplified sense that it is now um i want to speak actually to a cross section of that okay. phenomenon you just mentioned because for me my freshman and especially my sophomore year um at A&M, I remember being surrounded by amazing amazing christian leaders and sure. just constantly being in community with them and i follow all them on instagram right. i follow all of them on <laughs> facebook and everybody's posting their devotional Everybody's posting their coffee with their journal. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's posting that sermon video. Everybody is liking and sharing and trying to you know, you know, preach. Yeah. Exactly. Which is wonderful. Until I think, why am I not doing that? Mm. Or why am I not doing that with the same result that they have? Right? Is their proclamation better than mine? Mm. Is the spirit more active in, in their life than mine? Right? Mm. And to question that puts a spiritual burden on me that directly parallels that that worldly burden because I think the in a secular community you have the same phenomenon where it's like all right somebody's got a car somebody's got a a really you know nice significant other that they're spending every waking minute of the day with but you know to compare my spiritual life to somebody else's spiritual life through social media that takes a different toll that took a different toll on me. It's too,
0: impossible because. too. It's impossible to yeah. get an accurate thing. Cause like, like I was thinking about this the other day. Cause I was thinking about someone like uh, about someone in a certain way yeah. because of one thing that I saw and I'm like, am I literally taking like a Pinterest yeah. and defining what this person, who this person is probably by yeah. like certain things that they've pinned? Like how ridiculous is that? Yeah. Like that we're going to define people by this sliver and we create this whole scenario and identity of this yeah. person based upon that.
1: Yeah. There's there is nothing more dangerous than a little knowledge.
0: Mm.
1: Right? There's nothing more dangerous than a little knowledge and thinking that knowledge is much more valuable than it is because with social media we see more and less at the same time.
2: Mm.
1: We see more of people, it's more of what people want to be. It's more of what want people more of how people want to be seen and it's less of the things that people are trying to hide it's less of the things that people are not proud of which is scary considering some of the things that people are proud of enough to mm. post right but is social media the monster that's you know making all of our kids depraved no it's showing us how depraved we already are oh, right especially because we're bold enough to post some of the things that we're doing mm. right and to gloat in that to boast in our sinfulness frankly yeah. um, and then to on top of that do that comparison game either from a place of um, not worldly righteousness but just I mean clout I'm gonna use that word yeah. or spiritually from a place of maybe self-righteousness even mm. not trying to be better but trying to be good enough mm. right trying to be spiritual enough on social media so people know I'm a Christian mm. right I want people to know right I want people to know I'm that radiator of energy fix up the outside yeah whitewash tombs dude because right? there's so much in here
0: that's that God's still working on. I, I've realized something pretty obvious from doing this podcast. It's really hard to not be in the right place in my heart or be anxious or be yeah. worried about something and actually like come on here. But it's it's not that hard to yeah. like go out and do a photo shoot mm-hmm. with my nice cameras. Yeah. And like with my Jeep. Right. <laughs> and and get that one snapshot where i look really good and i'm smiling just yeah. right and it's at the right angle of my face to where like
2: yeah
1: well notice the difference I'm there. portraying something yeah notice the difference there when you take a snapshot of you you're making an icon out of yourself mm-hmm. the word for idol in greek is literally icon right social media icons <laughs> yeah you think about that for a second and where that (laughs) word actually comes from right make you think twice about what you want to be right so when we're trying to icon iconize ourselves i don't know if that's a word yeah but cast ourselves as idols for other people to see we're taking the place of
0: god dude well let's talk about that further because i don't think technology people always talk about technology being this like kind of outside the realm of morality right I don't actually believe that's the case because if you okay. think about it, I feel, it says we're we're not at war with flesh and blood. So yeah. it's not like these technologies were just created outside of demonic or godly influence. Mm-hmm. There there's nothing that is done outside right. of those two uh, outside of this the spiritual spiritual warfare, dude. And so it's like if let's say and, and we know this for a fact that most tech moguls Silicon Valley isn't necessarily the most godly place. Right. And so, if ill intent or demonic presence behind someone's intentions, yeah you know you, you people get weird whenever you say demonic, yeah right but but it's you. it's literally just living in a state contrary to the truth and yeah. the knowledge of Christ, and so you're developing technologies with the intention to manipulate, yeah, and a lot of times, I think there is these like forces behind those intentions that you see kind of show up in the symbolism within icons or there's there's different little features yeah. that kind of whoa it kind of reflects maybe some of the spiritual realities yeah. that are behind it that you're like dang what what if the enemy's in- intention is to create through this means that to pervert through creation right
1: right because the enemy always perverts that's Mm. how he does and i think what's even more scary than ill intention is good intention Mm. right because these guys and girls in silicon valley they want to make something good they want to make something that's going to help people they want to make something that's profitable that's good for them but that also is a tool quote unquote for everybody right Mm. and so what is going to hook people the most? What's going to be the most accessible for people? What's going to be the most addictive for people? What's going to be the thing that people can't let go of that's going to be so useful to you that you can't let go of it? Right? That's where their brains are at. That's how they're thinking about what they're doing.
0: And they think they're doing something good.
1: Right? Because when I'm, I mean, honestly, if I recognize something I'm doing is bad, yeah, I'll maybe keep doing it, mm-hmm. but you can't make that your mission nobody's mission is evil dude i i mean there is bondage of the mm. flesh to it, to it. yeah right right well there's the devil right there's yeah. the enemy right but i think as long as that spiritual battle is going on inside you know i mean the human heart i think people are at least going to manifest their their intentions as as good and you know try yeah. to iterate and articulate them as good and justify i mean algorithms that promote pornography
2: mm.
1: right algorithms that
0: are you know, promoting. I mean, because that's what it is, right? Yeah. There's, it's, it's there. It's not full on. Nudity, Yeah, but it's like still pornography.
4: Yeah.
1: And so, and it's pornography received rather than pornography created because, you know, again, in the minds of whoever is making said video, right? Of just, you know, dancing around on TikTok. Yeah. They're doing it because, oh my gosh, I want to feel good about myself. You know, get the wanna, get the likes, get the yeah. Views. There's no right evil, quote unquote, intention in the mind of somebody making a TikTok dance video, right? But how that's received by somebody who, I mean, has got a very, very perverted and twisted heart is pornographic. And so, no matter how you make your mm. content, you've got to understand that the devil can pervert your content very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Oswald has been speaking over the last few devotions. Like, about this idea of, like, we're actually at war against, like, what we think is good. Like, yeah. we're at war of good enough. Yeah. Or, like, good. You know, good versus righteous. It's like, oh, well, I'm a good person. You hear that all the time. Yeah. And that's actually the enemy of being submitted to God. Right. Which he explains, um... But I think that's so interesting because it's like, oh, well, I'm good. Yeah.
1: Well, because and it shows you the and this is maybe the silver lining there is it shows you the desire for God in the human heart. It mm. shows you the desire for God's goodness in the human heart. But how we get there, is that through ourselves? Is that through us trying to manufacture goodness out of our heart? Mm. Or is that submitting to God's heart as it's been revealed in Scripture, as it's been demonstrated by Christ on the cross? Where are we going to look for goodness are we going to look to ourselves or are we can look outside of ourselves mm. yeah
0: and so this is th- this is it right here it says very few of us debate with uh the sordid and evil and wrong but we do debate with good with the good it is the good that hates the best mm. and the higher up you get in the scale of the natural virtues the more intense is the opposition to Jesus Christ that's crazy yeah cuz we don't think about that no. very often
1: yeah we kind of like to think that you know what as I'm intending good I'm doing good mm. if you've been in a dating relationship at all you know <laughs> that's not how good works because no matter what your intentions are with a text with words coming out of your mouth with an action it can be interpreted differently and received very differently than you intended it, right? Outside of a dating relationship, your your family relationships, or just, you know, any kind of interpersonal relationship where two people are interacting, because this is how the sin is manifesting, is between people, right? Okay. It's not happening out in the ether. It's it's an interaction between people, right? An action that I mm. do, a thought that I have, a word that I speak, I do those things with certain intentions, but how those are received, how those are actually you know, kind of interpreted and internalized by other people around me can be Mm. very different than what I perceive them to be. Mm. Not that everything's subjective and that everybody else gets to define who I am, right? Because Christ defines Mm. me, but I've got to be careful and understand that, you know what, even my best intentions, even my best intentions with scripture, especially can be taken out of context, right? Can be misinterpreted and can be received as uh, insensitive, Mm. can be received as belligerent, as blunt, as ungentle. Then, then there's an opportunity for reconciliation, but we can't pretend that just because I intended something good to happen that I now don't have to reconcile with somebody who was offended by something I said. Right. Right. We want to have this unapologetic Christianity that's like, you know, what? as long as I'm proclaiming truth, who cares who's offended? It's like, actually, there's real pain out there. And part of your calling as a Christian is not to sacrifice or compromise truth, but when harm is caused, to actually engage in that relationship rather than disassociate with it right because if somebody's offended by something i said or disagrees with me that's the perfect opportunity to witness that's the perfect opportunity for me to take a step back humble myself recognize you know what maybe there is something i said i probably shouldn't have said or said mm. it differently or said it more gently whatever but then recognizing that go to that person go to that person and interact with them in a way that is godly mm. right and if you know you engage in that relationship and time after time there appears to be you know pearls being fed to swine then that's the situation right but we don't want to assume that after that first altercation or that first negative response we want to engage with people who honestly don't agree with us because that's where we witness
0: yeah we often don't think about our walk in terms of relational yeah we often think of it as just like well relational with other people right we were like oh it's me and god yeah and then but it's but the the thing I was thinking about the other day is something Francis Chan said way back in one of his sermons Uh, was, when was the last time you showed up to church and your chief concern was, like, making someone else's experience mm. better? Like, yeah. when were you thinking about other people walking yeah. in church or were you thinking about how you're addressed? You know, what was going to happen, who you're going to see, if you were going to, like, Feel like you're left out of like a conversation or or something like that. Yeah, and I literally walked into church on Sunday, and it was actually at Wolfpin Creek Park yeah. at the amphitheater, which was amazing. Nice. And I went in. I was like, I'm gonna be thinking about other people, like only like. And I went in, and God just moved. Yeah. And I was like, I I brought it because we're outside, so I brought a blanket, and I. Like it a, a was big enough for like four people who didn't bring a blanket to sit on and I wasn't, I didn't intend for, like I didn't even mean to bring a blanket that big I wasn't even thinking, right. okay how I'm gonna serve people is by letting them sit on this blanket yeah. but as I was walking with it I'm like oh this is pretty big and then God just provided the people that needed it yeah. and so it wasn't like I had to like control everything to be able to think of other people or serve other right. people, it was like Okay, God, I'm willing to serve other people today. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, thank you,
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
0: well, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you,
1: sir." Well, because the one um, well, how we think about service is is very interesting because we still try to put ourselves at the center of it. Mm. How am I, very egotistically, going to express that ego and express self by serving somebody else, right? Either how am I going to get credit for this, or are other people going to notice, you know, oh wow, he's got a servant heart. That's awesome. Um, are other people going to follow suit? Mm. Am I going to be a leader in the sense? Am I going to influence somebody? We're always looking at how am I going to be perceived as opposed to, hold on, what's the calling for me right now? What's that upward calling that I should be looking towards from God and then outwards towards the people
0: around mm. me? Well, those compliments always run out because yeah. after you become right the servant hearted person or You're only gonna get so many compliments before people are just used to you being that way. Yeah. And then And maybe they'll take advantage of you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They might. And you know what? Praise be to God. Right? Because then you're a very valuable tool, a very reliable tool that they can count on. Mm. Right. You don't want them to abuse you, right? You don't want to feed pearls to swine. You don't want to just completely become the servant of man and not God. But if people are quote unquote taking advantage of you, praise be to God. Mm. Right? Because then you're very, very useful for the kingdom
0: that's a good point yeah yeah that's wild yeah because like if you're doing it for the praise or the the whatever it is there's never enough of that yeah like even if it came every day there still wouldn't be enough of that to fulfill what you're actually going Mm. after yeah because we gotta think about our motive it's like why do we want like deep down why do we why do we want people to see that i'm serving and say that about me oh well you want friends you want relationships but you're willing to take this little piece because that's all you know how to get right now yeah and but you really want intimacy with some with people in your church you really want to feel like you're a part of a family and but you just you haven't submitted enough to god yeah or like received his goodness enough to to know how to like fit Right into that family Well, and honestly you, know? you haven't submitted
1: to that family too mm-hmm. and that was something that was really really hard for me especially as you know i would consider myself a leader in my church family to still submit to the people i'm ministering to right and and kind of put myself underneath them and, and humble them and try to like serve them mm. that's hard dude and like me I've learned that I'm honestly not the best at taking criticism. Like externally I am, right? I'm never going to blow up at somebody because they say something, you know, that I, you know, kind of take offense to. But internally for like hours, dude, I'll be like wrestling over like, why did they say that to me? You know, why was I not enough in that situation? Don't they know that I was, you know, trying again, intending to do good. Don't they know that I'm, you know, doing all these other things. And of course that internal reflection is just me trying to puff myself up, me trying to be self-righteous and, the only real i mean and sustainable alternative to that that's beneficial for me and them is is to for all of us to submit to the word and to each other hmm. right to to godly community because if you're all submitting to the word you all share that same master right and you're all mutually mouthpieces for that master then why would you have any problem and that builds submitting?
0: yeah it builds on each other because like if if uh, if everybody is submitted, then yeah. it, it makes it easier to submit. You're like, oh wow, like this person's doing this, and it and it's. But it, when I'm not submitted, I'm actually the odd man out. Yeah. But when you get a group of people or a congregation that yeah. they're all kind of like, you know, right. cleaning up this, but they're not really submitted in their hearts. Yeah. Everybody kind of doesn't really know what's going on yeah. because they because everybody for themselves. Yeah, because everybody's isolated. Yeah. Because everybody's seeing something that's not actually there yeah and so they're believing that everybody has something that they don't have and they don't know how to reflect that because what they're seeing is not the truth anyway but when you get a congregation of people or a group Mm -hmm. of people that like all are submitted to the word all are submitted to serving each other like in a genuine sense and submitted to the person of jesus yeah it's it builds on each other it's addictive it's 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 reproduces contagious, contagious. Yeah. yeah
1: well because there's unity in confession certainly we mm-hmm. all believe and confess christ is lord but then that calling that we were talking about earlier our vocation and what the gifts that we have in particular show and manifest in very very different ways and everybody's got their own gifts that they can encourage somebody else with uh, I want to read something from romans one uh this is paul talking to the church in rome for i long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, Mm. both yours and mine. Right? So he's saying to the church in Rome, and this is the apostle Paul talking. This is the guy who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. He's got the authority of an apostle, wicked testimony. This is Paul saying to the church in Rome, I really want to see you guys, and I want to tell you something so that we can be both encouraged in our Mm. faith, so that we can be mutually encouraged, so that you Can encourage me by your faith as much as I encourage you if not more than I encourage you in your faith Mm. right so you see a certain reverence for the spirit sorry a reverence from Paul regarding the spirit acting in the believers of a church that he's started that he's planted he's an authority figure in this church certainly he is pastoring this church but he understands that everybody has something to offer Right? We have the same spirit, but different callings, different gifts, different mm. members of the same body. And if we can recognize the gifts and honestly exhort and encourage those gifts to be expressed right, better. So like when somebody, you know, somebody on the media team is doing a you know, really swell job with the PowerPoint that day, you give them a high five, dude. And yeah. not just a shallow high five, a thank you, but you really acknowledge the work that they're putting in to that service and how they're serving the Lord through their you know, gifts and, and technology. Mm. Um, somebody who's an usher, somebody who's a greeter, somebody who's the kind of external face of that congrega- congregation saying, you know what, welcome, mm. right? Saying thank you to that person and acknowledging, you know what, your openness, your hospitality in this place is valued. Mm. It's so incredibly valued. That has a profound impact on the community in that congregation, how much they truly feel like there is commonality between them not just in confession of faith but in that mission we're all working towards the same goal Hmm. that's different than everybody playing their own game right everybody's at peace on the board but we're playing the same game right and that's winning souls that's bringing people into the family of god and that's proclaiming Hmm. christ crucified Hmm.
0: Hmm. yeah that uh i think the two kind of things that we encounter all the time is the choice to be authentic Hmm. and the choice to submit yeah and I think they both play in together and I think submitting you know requires authenticity yeah and the funny thing is everybody wants authenticity yeah they want authentic relationships but people are afraid to be authentic because they're afraid they're going to be rejected yeah and
1: well and to paraphrase yeah. authentic i think you could put the word vulnerable in mm. there and get a much clearer picture of the problem right because when i'm vulnerable with somebody that means they very well could attack me they have reason to attack me there is an area that i am confessing about my life that is falling short of god's desire for me right and confessing that to my fellow believers takes some humility, but it also takes confidence to say, you know what, I'm confident in, in Christ who justifies me in spite of my sin, and I'm confident in my community to proclaim that justification over me, right? I am not going to confess my sin to people who I think are going to condemn me. I'm not going to confess my sin to a God who I think is going to condemn me. The only reason I can confess my sin mm. is because God has justified me. I'm not working from a place of fear. I'm working from a place of faith knowing what's already been done on the cross Mm -hmm. once and for all permanently. There is nothing I do that can add or subtract from that
0: reality. So how do we step deeper into that trust, not only for God, but for our communities Yeah, and like become the side of the coin that we want other people to be? Like a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't feel included in things. Mm -hmm. Well, how often are you including people in things? Yeah. You know? Like, I don't feel known. Well, are you inviting people in? Yeah. Or are you being the person to know another person? Yeah. And we get bogged down by the lies of the enemy saying, oh, well, nobody wants to know you. Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and if they did know you, yikes. Mm. Right? And I I think being known is a really good one um, to go with because we have both an incredible desire to be known and an incredible fear of being known right we want Mm. everybody to know our good stuff (laughs) yeah we want everybody to know who we want to be our aspirations our passions our you know our dreams and plans for the future we want everyone to know that Mm. we are terrified of being known for who we are and who we have
0: been Mm. well that's when it really comes to christian dating right yeah is like how do you truly know someone's good and bad and still love them anyway yeah or like a lot of times we don't feel like that's what happens Mm -hmm. or that's the case well that's when you've got to recognize yourself
1: Mm. right because if i'm worried about somebody else's strengths and weaknesses and using their i mean present and past sin to evaluate them on my metric for whether i want to be in a relationship with them i am completely ignoring myself Mm. there is a log in this eye that needs to be examined (laughs) right because effectively effectively what you're saying in that situation is you know what You, um, your devotional life could be better, right? Honestly, are you a Proverbs 31 woman? I'm not quite sure. There's a couple of clauses and phrases in here that I'm not quite sure you live up to.
0: Mm.
1: Not yet, right? You could get there one day, right? But maybe you get in a small group, right? Maybe you get some accountability and some community, right? Right. I don't know what boy actually has the audacity to it's say the things that came arrogant. out of my <laughs> mouth, right? Yeah. But that's the thought process. Yeah, those are the things you think but would never say as you're trying to evaluate, right? In Christian dating, why are we taught to do that? Because we're so scared of being unequally yoked,
0: mm.
1: right? I think that's the fear that's been put in us um, because we, I mean, do want a godly and fulfilling marriage and a godly and fulfilling, <clears throat> you know, relationship with somebody but for whatever reason, we're still putting it on ourselves to be righteous, hmm. right? We're trying to be self-righteous rather than saying, you know what, in spite of what I've done, in spite of what you've done, God is over both of us. And if we're both submitting to him, and if we're both, you know, living underneath God's word, then he's going to carry us through, right? right? He is the one who defines both of us, regardless of any action that I've done good or bad. Right. And you know, if I can speak personally, it's kind of difficult for me, especially as a guy who's in seminary, not to have like a God complex. I definitely have a God complex, especially like in a dating relationship, like wanting to kind of fix somebody. Mm. That's something that's been like painfully shown to me, you know, very, very painfully shown to me. And the only response to that, that has a grain of hope in it is just humility is understanding you know what you're sinful too buddy like you've got a lot of work for you to do and because of that you need to love the heck out of this person
2: Mm.
1: right because you can't pretend you're better than them you well you can but it's just pretend
2: Mm.
1: right and that's going to end in a lot more heartache and a lot more brokenness than you know honestly you know in due time kind of confessing to one another i'm broken right i've been broken and i've continued to walk in brokenness but christ is redeem me you know so
0: it's hmm. hard yeah it's the, the that's the hard question is like but how like i don't know it's it's just such a weird topic yeah because it's like it's a this, new one yeah at the same time that what what you're saying is not to go through all the strengths and weaknesses and yeah. kind of create this you know, positive and negative and yeah. say, oh, is there, is it, is it way enough? You know, right. And, and, and loving unconditionally, which means love endures all things. Yeah. Right. You know that. And then choosing yeah. what's right or choosing that person. Like it's like one person yeah, forever. That's one choice. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, it's, a, well, it's, it's actually a, a series of choices. Right. right. Cause you make that choice every day when you wake up, when you said love endures all things, you, Hit a spark in my brain. Mm. The word endure, hupo, um, meno, in Greek, meno to remain, hupo underneath. We've been talking about remaining underneath scripture, mm. right? How scripture applies to us, how, you know, Jesus is Lord over us in all things. Love, right? As you're going to express it in Christian dating, in Christian marriage, has got to endure, remain underneath all things. What that means is kind of in contrast to, let me try to wiggle out of this situation. Let me find every single reason to get out and not commit. Let -hmm. me try to find every single thing that could be wrong and escape, right? Let me try to find a detail where maybe we don't match up and we're not as compatible personality-wise or maybe even like doctrinally or theologically and and say, you know what, this is kind of irreconcilable, Mm -hmm. right? Enduring all things, um, I should put the caveat in there. you don't endure abuse. You, you Right. right. You, like that's something you do not endure, not endorsing that at all. But in terms of enduring, you know, personality, enduring, yeah, honestly, to an extent, each other's sinfulness and the times when they hurt you personally, that's something that comes in the contract, the covenant of love, right? And because that's, that's the cross. That is exactly what Jesus did when he, you know, sat up on the cross, he's saying, I am enduring The worst torment known to man for the sake of love, for the sake of demonstrating love, for the sake of being a model for love to all of you. I'm going to show you guys how it's done, right? Mm. Love is not a picture perfect post on Instagram, right? Love is not, you know, love languages or just expressing affection. Love is sacrifice. Love is a choice. Love is incredibly hard. If it wasn't hard, Jesus wouldn't have had to do it. He wouldn't have had to show it to us. Right, if we could do it,
0: Jesus wouldn't have done it. So, do you think it's our own selfishness that keeps us from love sometimes?
1: Yeah, because it's, I mean, the more you're looking at yourself, the more you're looking at sacrificing
0: mm-hmm. for the other. Because a lot of times we think about our walk with God as our own ce- celebrity yeah. story. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And that's kind of the consequence of and i do not mean to speak lowly of any preacher any pastor the consequence of harping on the personal relationship with god my relationship is with god and god's the only one who defines me and then like preaching relationship over religion forget religion enjoy relationship with god it's one-on-one we lose the corporate sense we lose the church we lose gathering we lose those horizontal relationships in our lives where we have the calling to serve, right? And so it's not that we need to stop preaching a relationship with God. It's that we need to remember the fact that, hold on, that relationship calls me to other relationships. Mm. That relationship is a model for other relationships. Mm. Christ stepped down and he reached out. We, in turn, step down and we
0: reach out. Mm. Something I, I've noticed recently uh, that I want to point out is, is sometimes people will replace uh uh, authenticity or or this idea of like pure relationship pure connection with someone like deep like Mm. godly god-honoring relationship with uh with quantity Mm. and frequency yeah and so it's like that's legal oh well i go like well, and, it's, and and we don't even think of it that way, though, right. because it's not like, oh, I just do it because I know I need to do quantity. And physically. Yeah. it's like, hey, actually, I don't know how to connect with someone in a deep way. Yeah. And but I know what I enjoy and I know what this kind of it, it kind of seems right as far as scripturally. So I'm going to like. Go to coffee with my friend like yeah. three days a week and I'm going to see this person, this person, this person, this person and fill my time with this frequency but i never really am deep down connecting with that person because a lot of times we don't even know how to connect with our own heart or emotions and we're afraid of it it's like oh as long as i have like a bunch of like kind of deep relationships superficially then then i'm good i don't ever have to go to that place where i have to like kind of give up Give up my own selfishness.
1: Well, it's a weird paradox because you can have relationships that appear deep, mm. right? That are superficially deep, right? Because we love the name deep. Mm. We love, especially in Christian circles, we want deep, <laughs> meaningful relationships. What the heck is deep, dude?
0: That's, that's true. Right? <laughs> what is
1: deep? What is, like, what's deep? Um, you said um, pure and authentic Christian relationships earlier. Um, I was trying to find a, a <laughs> bit from James and I'll just paraphrase it because I couldn't find it immediately um where james says religion that is pure and undefiled is this is to minister to the orphans and widows and to keep yourself unstained from the world and Mm -hmm. so you you see religion as pure as relationship with who the least of these the widows and the orphans especially in the first century church if you were a widow if you didn't have a husband you're done you were probably a prostitute or -hmm. a servant those were your two options as a woman it's actually as a bit of a rabbit trail people think of the church as Christianity um, as kind of patriarchal. The church actually opened the door for women to be missionaries instead of prostitutes. Hmm. That's a pretty big deal, right? You think about nuns as like, oh man, they're cooped up in a convent, And yeah, kind of they are. But the fact that you now have a vocation as a woman that is not necessarily mother, that is not necessarily wife, right? And wife to a husband who has no obligation to you Right, just because of the culture.
0: Yeah, back then,
1: you can be a missionary. You can be not only a missionary, someone who's called by God, by God to do something. Not called by your husband, right? Not called by your earthly father. Right. Called by your heavenly father to do mission as something as important as spreading the gospel to pronounce heaven and eternal life. Christianity's done a lot for yeah. women. Apart from that, um, going back on the train of of purity, and pure religion, pure relationship. The word purity there's a couple of different words that get translated for purity in the new Testament, but the image is of, of the refining process of gold. And you've kind of maybe heard this illustration before. It's like you put gold in the fire and the gold has all these other, you know, non-precious metals attached to it. And then as that gold goes through the fire, it becomes purified. Purity is something where all the bad stuff is removed. All the things of lesser value are removed Mm. until only the gold, remains i think we've made a mistake especially in thinking about purity culture of thinking you know what purity is something i start with and something i have to maintain otherwise i'm going to become impure right purity is actually that process where god says you know what you're starting pretty messed up (laughs) yeah (laughs) your starting point is pretty you know not even broken necessarily but so attached to things that are not valuable not valuable in the sight of god and the extended metaphor of the refinery and refining gold is that how a blacksmith knows that they can take the gold out of the furnace is when Mm. they can
0: see the reflection of themselves in the gold. So really what you're saying is we never really start out like in a pure relationship. No. (laughs) So it's like the only way of purity in a relationship is fire Mm. is fire and time is testing.
1: Right. Because wow. when the when Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you with a spirit of fire,
0: that's not a friendly thing. Mm. That's something saying, hey, you're going to have some trouble. Mm. So can we look back at, at some of the, the ones that aren't around anymore and, and kind of like some of the relationships? Yeah. Relationships, friendships, whatever. And kind of think, you know, maybe have a like a different perspective on it now knowing that. Yeah. And say, well, th- we just didn't make it through that process. Maybe. Like the ones that are out on the other side, yeah. the friendships that I still have throughout Absolutely. that time, those are more intimate and more real yeah. than these ones. And I think because a lot of times I see, especially in the college environment, people leave. You know, we're flaky, dude. Yeah, we're flaky. <laughs> flaky. We've got tons of excuses. But but we we have a lot of friends. Yeah, that we you know. Oh, I need coffee with this person. Coffee with this person. If I I don't feel okay if I'm not. It's because maybe i I don't know i just i think many times we don't feel okay with only having a certain amount of friends Mm -hmm. because the time spent with those people aren't necessarily like yeah doing what we need them to do like not to say that we're going to receive what god gives us right but we're not patient yeah
1: it comes down to that and i think the hardest thing to recognize especially I mean we'll go back to media for a second it's so easy with my phone to reach out to anybody Mm. that I want to reach out to right hey buddy what do you need prayer for right hey man how's it going and I will have three texts in that thread for that week and I'll be done like all right I contacted this person or even better than that oh man he posted something on Facebook I'm gonna leave a comment I'm gonna drop a like I've interacted with him I'm maintaining that relationship right we're training to maintain instead of training to grow. It mm. goes back to discipline. It goes back to spending time underneath the I mean honestly some of the weights of the world together. Mm. Right? Fire that refining fire that God gives us comes in the form of I mean of temptation, of of tribulation, not that God gives temptation, but like he allows us in the midst of our temptation to kind of recognize, you know what? There is a battle here that's taking place there's spiritual warfare going on and part of doing that battle properly is doing it with brothers and sisters in Christ mm. and letting people into that battle letting people into that struggle that vulnerability we were talking about earlier makes you a better fighter
2: yeah
1: right it makes you so much better I mean, it equips you you are equipped not by your own strength you are equipped by the size of your army that's surrounding you
0: mm. Yeah. yeah it seems like uh, that refining process in our, us personally or even in re- in relationships like yeah it's slowly and slowly whittling us down to us having a clearer clearer view of reality yeah and that's why sometimes people like get into romantic relationships or even get married yeah and then they're getting whittled down to reality and then they see reality or at least the closest thing to it that they've seen yet What's and then they're like terrified
1: also, well, here's the thing, and here's what's, here's what's even more terrifying, is people will look at that next stage of life as kind of the end goal of that point where you're whittled down. So especially in Christian oh. dating and, and marriage, you can kind of see where I'm going with this. I'm not going to date somebody until I've gotten my sin taken care of. Hmm. I'm not going to let myself pursue a romantic relationship until I'm you know, right with God, whatever that means. Hmm you know, until I've gotten my relationship with God correctly. When I'm dating somebody, I'm not going to get married to somebody until I'm sure that we're equally yoked. Mm. I'm not going to get married to somebody if I'm not sure that we're on the same page about everything. When you're married, I'm not sure I want to have kids until we get this marriage thing right, until there's no conflict in our marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Waiting for things to be perfect is just an excuse for inactivity (laughs) right right for being like underneath that fire letting that i mean not letting that fire consume you but letting that fire in a sense kind of surround you as is god's purpose for refining you and showing you you know what no matter what stage of life you're in if you're single dating engaged married have a family whatever you're still on the way because the moment when god actually looks at us and sees his reflection that's heaven That's eternity. That's where we're reflecting his image to him, and we are rejoicing in that together, Mm. right? Until then, while we're in this world, it's a battle. It's the process.
0: Yeah. I think we often think too much about ourselves, man. Yeah. Like, especially in the sense of, like, what we want our lives to look like or, like, who we want our lives to be with. It's, it's, It's almost... A lot of times I guess for most people even in the church it's void of this question is this gonna help me do the will of God okay (laughs) yeah expand on that a little bit like I feel like every relationship we should we should be in yeah should ultimately propel us towards fulfilling God's will should more that's the ideal yeah (laughs) right and the struggle, again,
1: is managing the fact that things are not ideal, mm. right? Managing the fact that not all of my relationships are beneficial, mm. at least as they stand right now. Not all of my relationships, as I'm engaging in them, are propelling me towards Christ. And I've got to own for myself my actions, my thoughts, my words, and and whether or not they're, they're making that relationship worse mm. or better.
0: I heard this thing once. Um that you know this idea of love languages yeah and quality of time being Mm -hmm. one of those and they said like just time is quality time Mm. for me but but for me quality time is attentive we're talking yeah and i i think that's just you know give me your take on it but i think that's just like a that's just a wrong definition of quality time. Yeah. Like any time is not quality time. If we're both on the phone right yeah. now. If we like, <laughs> we're not giving listeners quality time. Right. If we get on the, okay, it's the podcast time. All right. Now Static. you guys watch and we're just going to read and not say anything. Okay. Yeah. That's quality time for you guys.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll go, I'll maybe do you one more than that. Um, I don't like the love languages test. Mm. I really don't. Cause take it again. I invite anybody to take it again. Cause I'm sure you've already taken it once. How all those questions are asked revolve around how you like to be loved. Mm. Right. Would you rather somebody give you a gift or tell you good job today? Would you rather have somebody unload the dishes for you or give you a hug? Right. It's all about how you want to be loved still all about you Mm. right and yes language works both ways and how you like to be loved is kind of how you like to express love to other people but we are so trapped I'll use your talking about quality time as an example in thinking about how we want to to experience things right Mm. even as something as profound as love right and that's the other problem like we were talking earlier about how maybe confining God to the attribute even to love as an attribute isn't doing us any service because what happens with love is we make a test about love languages and then we (laughs) (laughs) right and we say here are all the ways we can be loved unloading the dishes and like yes they're examples Mm. they're not you know telescopic they're not showing us the end result but ultimately we're trapping and confining love to something that's so human right and so full of i mean error at some point or another that we just lose sight of god for all that he is and so again, the like the remedy to that is like looking to Christ's example of love. You know, Jesus spent quality time with his disciples. Some of that quality time was on a cross, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus gave some words of affirmation. Jesus also gave some words of condemnation, right? Jesus had acts of service. Jesus also flipped some tables.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so again, when we look at love through our lens, as you know, broader, as narrow as we try to look at love or, or something like that, we just can't comprehend it. We can't get a full scope of who God is from that, mm-hmm. right? We've got to look to scripture for that. We've got to see how God defines love.
0: Yeah, the freaking Enneagram, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you think about all these ways we define ourselves? I, I feel like ultimately, they're helpful I, I, to a point. Yeah, I, but, I, but are they? Hmm. Like, that's the question. It's like, we can say that, you know, right. they're, they're helpful. So what's helpful to, is to what, what submits end? to God. So right.
1: What's helpful is what submits to God. If you are using, you know, love languages and, and people do as a way to submit to God's will for your life and, and an avenue for you to work in your interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships. Right. If you keep the the test in its proper place, right, then you're good. <laughs> Right. You're, you're, That's
0: you're, an ideal.
1: Right. That's not, again, the word if, right? And and same thing with the Enneagram. I'm a two wing three for anybody who wants to know. Um, if we keep the test in its proper place, it serves the Lord, right? Because it's submitting to God's design and we're, and we're letting the, the word of God speak over us and mm-hmm. keeping, I mean, kind of honestly, these tests should be kind of beneath us, you know, because we really shouldn't again shouldn't need to look for any external source of validation or identity because that's what we're trying to do here first and foremost you you look at the enneagram you look at myers-briggs you look at the love languages you're you're trying to get a sense of who you are either by your personality or by your activity in the world it's all about you yeah it's all about you it can serve god it can serve god right we're talking about creativity earlier and how you know there's always this demonic presence and the spiritual presence that's going back Mm. and forth and And we just got to keep submitting relentlessly to the word of God if we're going to have any hope. And
0: whether you like it or not, you are in some way, shape, or form defining yourself by these definitions that man created. Mm -hmm. These are not definitions found in the Bible. Like like Enneagram, Mm. it's not in the Bible, just so you know. Just so you know. And like... I think the problem is where we just similar to the way that we think about music or the other things we consume. We don't actually realize how much it's affecting us. Yeah, we don't. Right. Cuz we're not conscious of it. And and whether or not you know it or not like oh now that I know your enneagram, now my mind is classifying you and expecting you to perform in a certain, in a certain way. way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's
0: it's or, hard. like, I see one person, like, I know one person with the Enneagram number that may have hurt me, or something mm-hmm. like that. And now, oh, I meet you. Yeah. Oh, and you, oh, I can expect the same thing from you. Yeah. You know, it's like, but, but not even to that, in the minorest ways, mm-hmm. where we start to define ourselves in yeah. something that's other than the scriptures, that's other yeah. than, than the person of Jesus mm-hmm. and where our true identity is is yeah. found so i think ultimately like the question that i had is does it actually is it actually useful yeah. to a certain extent or
1: ultimately not yeah in the in the end game of everything no it's it's it can be a tool but that tool will be temporary and that tool will be confined hopefully to its proper place mm-hmm. as just that, as an instrument for god to use right god is above everything to, to use for his glory yeah. um I had a thought again, and I lost it. It's okay. Um, thinking about you know these these tests and these ways that we can define ourselves, the silver lining again is we want to understand ourselves. We want to understand who we are. Right. We want to understand what love is. That's a good thing. We want to yeah. Under, yeah. <laughs> we we want to understand what love is. We want to understand how we can better interact with the world. There there is a sign of that. Okay, like there there's there's that spiritual battle going on, and and good is leaning somewhere, right? Because cause we're trying to understand ourselves, but in that quest for understanding self, we end up promoting self higher than it should be, hmm. right? Because cause we're so obsessed with, with self and just, again, like who who I am as a person that just the, the word I is a stumbling block, right? Not to get all weird with it, but it's like, sure. right? I am defined and confined to the identity that that God gives me, right? I don't exist in name or in you know space without his right sustaining grace. Yeah. I don't. Hmm. And so whenever I step outside of that grace in understanding or in action it's just anybody's guess.
0: Hmm. Why do you think so many you know I've always wondered this because I've always had a different experience in life than yeah. most people like as far as like understanding or seeing things or different convictions for okay. sure. And my question is like why do why do so many submit to less than or mm-hmm. like not even submit or choose less than or because it are, works for are a little right bit. with the mundane
1: cuz it works for a little bit. Mm. You get a taste of it and it works for a little bit, right? Cuz the Satan's not going to pervert goodness into something that's so obviously bad that you can see it right away Mm. he's gonna disguise things as good
4: Mm.
1: he's gonna tell you it's good he's gonna tell you it's pleasurable he's gonna tell you it's beneficial right he's gonna tell you that you're gonna be your best self your best Mm. self right and like we've learned
0: good gets in the way of best Mm
4: -hmm.
0: yeah good gets in the way of best What what the heck you got anything to say caleb bro caleb bro um, well, Hey, by the way, Caleb, we appreciate you, bro. We appreciate <laughs> the heck out of you, Caleb. Dude, Caleb is the champ. If y'all don't know Caleb Ward, get to know this guy. <laughs> Lay down a comment for Caleb. If you love Caleb, throw it in the chat. Throw it in the chat. I know that. Okay, anyway. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, well, I just think it's so cool how um, everything you guys have kind of talked about, whether it's time management or um, just defining relationships or all of these things it all goes back to how much we need god it goes back to our heart is broken and we live in a broken world and we can try to understand ourselves we can try to define ourselves we can try to um, fix ourselves in all these different ways but we need god We need God because he's the only one who can help us. He's the only one who can strengthen us and help us to grow. And as hard as we try to do the right things, like, for example, in terms of Enneagram, I'm also a two. And, like, I have, (laughs) oh, I'm serving people, so that's good. I am helping people and doing the right things.
0: The question is, who's the better too? Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> see, see, that's where Enneagram goes wrong, right? Yeah. I'll just give an example <laughs> of it. It's okay. But um, if my <laughs> so, intentions are so that people will praise me or that I can um, be accepted and loved and valued by those around me or even like trying to please God through things I do, where it's oh I have to do all of these things so that God will love me. That's not healthy, and well, those are wicked motivations. When in actu- actuality, we need to give those to God. We need to depend on God in yeah. everything.
0: And you're saying you're saying we we need God, but like what if you have God and you're still choosing good <laughs> over great? Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I think that that's uh, the world that every single one of us lives in. And that's why it's that process you guys were talking about where we have to continually give things to God. Oh, I see that I'm doing this. Okay, God, what do you have for me that's better? What do you want me to do? How can I give this to you, surrender to you, everything?
1: And it's our own inability to recognize better. It's our own inability constantly to recognize and distinguish like good from best, as you said. That's really just indicative of our human heart and, and our nature because mm-hmm. again like god's love doesn't look like human love god's justice doesn't look like human's justice and human's timing if, if i had you know my way and pick of things and how justice would be done in this world it would look a lot different than it does right now but mm-hmm. ultimately god's justice is going to prevail yeah and thank you by the way caleb strong <laughs> insight strong proclamation 110 percent recommend this guy <laughs>
0: But get you a Caleb on Amazon. Well, <laughs> this one's not for sale.
1: This one is priceless. <laughs> priceless. Um, but then talking about kind of an overestimation of, of self, I want to give a hopeful example to the contrary. And that's actually in scripture. The mm. authors of scripture, particularly the authors of the gospels, don't think super highly of themselves. Mm. Right. Especially in, in the gospel of Mark, which is Peter's gospel. Peter's pretty open about the fact that he, you know, fled in the garden, fled away from, um, I guess, Jesus when he was on trial. They, they don't hide their shortcomings, doesn't hide the fact that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, mm-hmm. right? If I'm the author of my gospel of <laughs> Jesus and I'm telling people all about this great guy, but I also kind of want to lift myself up in the process. I'm probably going to ignore the fact that he told me that I would, sorry, was Satan, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? But through whatever working of the spirit through whatever humility peter had in the moment as he's dictating to mark he's like you know what in order to lift up christ better i have to be made less i Mm. have to understand and recognize that yes i was less, and that's actually one of the better arguments in favor of biblical authenticity that's Mm. out there it's just Mm -hmm. the fact that these authors are so painfully honest about who they Mm. are that it contradicts especially the history of You know, first, second, third century Rome, Roman historians were not historians. They were propagandists. History, by and large, still is propaganda. We can talk about that later. But it's like, it's written from the side of winners. It's written from people who want to be viewed as winners. Peter's a loser. He talks and acts like a loser.
2: Hmm.
1: He sees
3: Christ as the winner for all of us. Hmm. Hmm. But it's also not self-deprecation where it's just, okay, I'm an awful person, oh, you encouraged me, well, now I'm going to say all these awful things about me. It's actually, okay, th- having real authenticity is this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm bad at, but the important thing is Jesus. That's important.
0: Sober sense of reality.
1: That's important right there because I think we disguise um, we disguise self-deprecation as humility so much. Oh,
3: 100%.
1: 100%. Because especially when it comes to, um, as I've seen, uh, mission, And evangelism and people kind of proclaiming their faith and their relationships and, and, you know, witnessing to their non believing roommate, witnessing to their non believing classmate or their family member. We're just so shy, aren't we? We're Mm -hmm. suddenly so shy. We don't know if we have the right words. We don't want to, you know, rightfully so damage this relationship. But you're equipped, you have the spirit of God in you. Don't use, you know, man, I'm a sinner as an excuse
3: not to be a saint. Because God has entrusted the gospel with us. And he's put the gospel on us and has entrusted us to share it.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so with with all that being said, I think what you're kind of going through right now as far as seminary goes kind of can shed a light on something. Maybe a lot of the issues that come up between... uh intrapersonal relationships within the church come from not a mutual, synchronized understanding of what Christianity is or what scriptures say about certain decisions.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I can't speak to, I mean, the scope of all of those misunderstandings because there's so many of them, and that's terrifying and unfortunate. But I think you're right. I think the, the pride of preachers, myself included, has the potential to get in the way of ministry. It does. Like when I'm a, at some point preaching a sermon, the devil's still in the room. It's not like he's not there. The spirit's in the room for sure. Absolutely. Where two or three are gathered in his name, Christ is there. But you can't pretend like the devil or the enemy is not still operating in the midst of church, right? We, we talk about sanctuary as, as a right. safe space. <laughs> we talk about church as a safe space. It's guess what? There's still war going on, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, in. I mean, seminary there, I have felt existentially just a lot more spiritual warfare since going to seminary. I had a moment actually before Mm. going to seminary that was really, really pivotal for for me. Um, It was in the middle of July and I could not put a reason to it, but I just did not want to do anything. It wasn't like an episode of depression. It's like I legit did not want to go to seminary. I I just had this weight on top of me and I was like, I don't want to go through with this. I do not want to do this at all. And it wasn't because of the thing I said earlier, it's like, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, I'm I'm scared. It's like, no, I don't need this. I'm done. This is so stupid. Why would I, you know, give myself to a God who's allowed this, this, and this to happen to me. Mm -hmm. In in whatever sense, like, why am I devoting my life to somebody who I'm still honestly not sure I'm a big fan of? Mm -hmm. Right. In that (laughs) moment. And I'm like, whoa, and, and you know, I kind of had that moment, talked to my dad and he was super helpful and talked to a couple of friends about it, but it was it was more concentrated warfare than I had ever felt before, but it was in light of the fact that like, yes, I have this calling to ministry, right? And then even in seminary, we've got guys who drop out, you know, for a host of different reasons, but honestly, there is, there is a lot of spiritual warfare that's going on in, in our dorm, on on campus there's a lot of
0: Hmm. i mean god wants to mess i mean not god yeah the enemy whatever you want to call him. yeah the opposition wants to mess up good things yeah like why would he go after the not so good things like oh that thing's kind of good i'm not gonna try that hard i'll send this lie this lie maybe but he sees the good thing he's like i want to jack that thing up yeah like that makes me mad yeah because it's so good Mm-hmm. And I want you to not have anything good, I want to kill deal and sh- destroy all of your joy, yeah, and so he's going to come in and he's kind of try his hardest to to jack that up, yeah, because he knows the fruit that'll come out from yeah. from you continuing
1: and one of the hardest things to to fight against and that I've actively had to fight against is with my brothers mm-hmm. having a constant state of of reconciliation, not that there's always these like random theological debates that pop up and, and stuff. It's very common mundane things that honestly should not upset the unity of of our dorm or our class, but there's, there's been divisions, Mm. right? There's been challenges. There's been personality like conflicts and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this could very well and easily pop out of control. And that would be a win for the enemy. That would be an absolute win for the enemy, especially if someone decides, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this church body anymore. Why would I lead in a church where these are my fellow leaders? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like been so, so necessary for, for me. And I think for honestly, my, my brothers there at seminary to, to be, again, vulnerable with each other, but also to, to provide space for, for forgiveness constantly. Like we, oh my gosh, the, the one thing I've noticed consistently about these guys is they take rebuke so well they take rebuke so, so, so well. Like I can mm. say something that's like, hey, this this upset me. I wasn't quite sure what you were you know, thinking here or doing here. Um, or maybe I saw you interact with this person in this way. I wasn't sure what was going on there. So receptive, mm. right? And I'm trying to model that as well. I'm not as great with it, but like what I've seen more than I've seen it anywhere else is just men, solid Christian young men who are open to rebuke and open to listening to what their brothers have to say because they know we know we all want the same thing
4: Mm.
1: we all want mission but i mean there's a battle and we're not above reconciling we're not above sinning against one another in seminary you know it'd be easy to kind of think that superficially but we're not
2: Mm.
1: we got to work at it so
0: Mm. yeah wow I can't. I was just so into that I couldn't remember. No, it's okay. What, what I was gonna ask. Well, and so
1: what? And so if I can talk a little bit yeah. more, um, I won't get into any specific conflicts that were happening. But I noticed a a kind of a trend in that as we would get more in conflict with one another, especially mm. because so our dorm situation is currently that we don't have roommates because COVID, right? <laughs> so if I want to. I can go to my room and I can close the door and I can lock myself in that room
2: Mm.
1: and nobody's going to come in as there's conflict. Every one of those doors is closed. When there's reconciliation, those doors are open. I leave my door open. I try to leave my door open constantly Mm. just as, you know, a policy. That's like, Hey, if you want me, come on in. Right. And I try not to be in my room as much just because I want that space to be, you know, kind of reserved for sleeping, honestly. And then Mm. like, You know, any time that I'm spent out with my brothers is is out in the open, is out publicly, right? And we're not going to hopefully do anything publicly that's going to embarrass each other as brothers in Christ or the seminary that we belong to. And so kind of being, you know, together in community and just literally walking together through this experience and not isolating ourselves is kind of that first step in. I mean, keeping each other accountable and, and providing space to be reconciled because it's honestly hard to go to class every morning with somebody that you're upset with. My spirit just can't take that. I, it, it can't. And so part of the you know, downfall of seeing these people every day is like if you're upset with somebody, you're going to see them a lot. But that kind of behooves you to reconcile all the more or it should because otherwise you yourself are just bearing the brunt of that frustration more than they are. They might not even know you're upset. So going in to any space of of potential conflict and saying, you know what, like there's something going on here and let's just talk about it is is awesome. And I think that that honestly gives me hope for, I mean, all of our futures as ministers is that, I mean, eventually some of us are going to be near each other again, or some of us are going to have fellow pastors in in our vicinity that we're going to be working with. We're going to have peer you know, ministers of the word and we're not always going to agree. We're not always going to agree about worship, about practice, about preaching, about different situations when, when members come to us, but understanding, you know what, in the space of, of conflict, there's, there's always an opportunity for reconciliation, not because um, we're th- not because we are then any better for oh being the better person and just forgiving somebody, but because honestly, God has already reconciled us. So why are we, quarreling over words mm. why are we wasting time with that when we should be ministering conflict is i mean not always a waste of time but you know that perpetual bitterness and frustration is absolutely a waste of time
0: not well spent mm. so uh in a non-dorm environment like that how, how do we metaphorically keep those doors open yeah. so people feel welcome to come in
1: yeah honestly i have so i'll i'll speak incredibly personally i have a pretty big guilty conscience when it comes to like when I feel like I've wronged somebody I can't let that sit for very long yeah um and even if I feel wronged by somebody my approach to that um opportunity for reconciliation is not at least at first hey this hurt me it's hey I've been bitter about this for a long time and I'm sorry my Mm. my intro to that conversation is I'm sorry is Mm -hmm. me asking them for repentance is me asking them for forgiveness is me Saying, you know what, I've I've not lived up to my calling as your brother in Christ, and I need some some reconciliation for that. And that statement alone sometimes gets the response of, dude, you're fine. You're good. Like, chill. And sometimes that space is, all right, let's talk about this for a bit, you know? But I try not to come at it with with the, you know, the Bible as a beat stick and say, You should have done better towards me, but like, hey, like I, I really should have done better Mm. towards you as a brother. Um, And so like having that door open, you know, if it's closed, is me opening the door and kind of me walking through that door with a posture of humility saying, I've messed up, dude. Mm. I I, I genuinely have, and there's, I mean, and there's a way to apologize without apologizing. We know that, but to kind of have that apology be genuine, it it looks differently, but but the word that keeps coming to my mind is humility is, is truly recognizing, you know, I was in the wrong here. I need to step down and, and yield to your um forgiveness for this mm. and and try to reconcile
0: that way. Hmm. Dang. Dang. So can I ask you what the tattoo is for? Yeah. Well so list? which one? Uh I guess are they the same? Uh no.
1: So uh, I don't know if we can, whatever. I'm not going to be able to <laughs> yeah, tell it's my be that hard. way. So you go they are this. Roman numerals on both of the wrists, and you can't read it that way. Uh, but it would be um, XIX Roman numerals. So that's 19. It's read as one letter or one number. And then LI is 51, and then X is 10. So Psalms is the 19th book of the Bible, uh, 5110. So Psalms 5110, oh, okay. uh, create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and... Uh, renew a right spirit within me
0: mm. i've been thinking about getting a, a new tattoo i only have one I have okay a cross on my ankle nice and it's small yeah uh, pretty low uh risk yeah <laughs> risk it's tattoo okay. uh so what what is your, your your take on whether or not someone should get a tattoo uh should Cause i've been thinking about getting yeah. a bible verse on my arm yeah make it well
1: so as a Surefire statement, I can say it's not against scripture to get tatted. I mean, that hopefully is is self-explanatory. The context of Leviticus is about, you know, pagan idolatry, not um, just body marking in general. Um, In terms of thinking through a tattoo as a Christian, I've made a rule for myself that I'm not going to mark my body with anything that doesn't have eternal value. Mm. Um, And so that kind of comes back to scripture for me. And so these are both from Psalms and then this one's from Ephesians 2 um and anything that i have planned for the future i actually have one planned from romans six that's going to kind of mirror this one um on my left arm it says in greek god made us alive together and then in romans six it says we were buried together with Mm -hmm. christ and so it's going to have we were buried together and alive together but all of that comes back to saying you know what it's people have different takes and i don't land on one side or the other about okay are my tattoos for me or are my tattoos for people around me i wear my sleeves like this so that People can not ask the question and so that I can witness and so that I can proclaim the gospel and I'm going to hopefully be in a position where that, you know, doesn't compromise my ability to get a job or anything like that. Some people have to wear long shirts. Some people won't be able to show their tattoos and their tattoos might be more for them. But like, don't get anything just because it's aesthetically pleasing. I don't think that's a good enough reason to get a tattoo. Mm. It's got to have an eternal value and it's got to have a practical purpose, Mm.
0: I think. Mm. Yeah, that's the main reason I want it. And I was telling my grandma. Which not the best person to ask about yeah. tattoos. <laughs> yeah. My mom still doesn't like mine, but she's we're reconciled now. so I asked her, I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting this Bible verse so I can like keep yeah. looking at it all the time and she's like, Well you, you instead of writing on your body, you could just write it on your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she does have a good point there. She does. Um rapid fire. Okay. Alright. Bump but bro, uh Caleb, I was just thinking, we're gonna we're gonna do get some type of animation for yeah, different I segments i am definitely different. agree do, 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 do. absolutely right. agree if you could have one single superpower what would it be and why
1: Ooh, i think it would be teleportation mm. just because i don't know well practically i miss my friends a lot mm-hmm. sometimes especially right now and i'm like you know what i really just like to stand my fingers and be able to be there
0: do you think you'd run out of run out of places
1: i don't know well because <laughs> well the other thing with teleportation is like I don't know. I watched X-Men and it's like, this guy has to have like seen the place before, before he like teleports there, mm. you know, he's got to have it somewhere in the recess of his mind. I'm like, okay, maybe, but also if I could just, you know, think Paris in name and then be in Paris. Or
0: coordinates. <laughs> you just yeah. Look at you. Well, it
1: makes make me a lot better at geography. My geography is <laughs> trash. Dude. Mine is too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, mine's my favorite ones. Teleportation as well. Nice. I don't know if I've ever said that on here, but, uh, I think it would be awesome but I have heard one person they're like well, don't you think that would be kind of a curse because you, you could te- do it accidentally or something You te- no you teleport everywhere. Oh. And you just get if you just get bored of where you're at you just teleport somewhere better oh. and so you're always like going to this like more ideal place and mm. you feel like you and then it takes out the in between, takes out the journey. Yeah. So you don't have to like go on a road trip. It's like hey, let's go on a road trip. You want to come? And it's like mm yeah but I'll meet you guys there and it's like yeah but no, if you could like car. you know do the pair of friend thing where you like
1: kind of grab onto their hand and then like take them with you oh, places that'd yeah. be cool I don't know if that comes with the, the, the power or not but yeah. I assume it could I've seen it done in movies the question so.
0: is is part of the road trip the road trip
1: yeah I think it is I love a good road trip dude that's I mean where I get my best thinking done that's mm. where all the stuff that's kind of been coming into me for you know the past couple months or whatever kind of like actually synthesizes mm. when i'm on the road so i like it a lot because
0: it's like you don't actually have to do anything about yeah. anything that you've been focused on Nah, that's kind months. of
3: ironic that both of you guys love road trips and both of you guys would do uh teleportation as your superpower yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we're crazy
1: Maybe we just That's like the best of both worlds, dude. It's Fair like, enough. Yeah, we love the journey, mm. but we also love the destination just Yeah, because well. I love
0: flying places yeah. as well. I haven't flown as much, but I do enjoy it. I like the airport. It smells good. Mm. It's always an
1: adventure. Like, there's always something that happens at an airport. Like, mm. I feel like half of pastor's stories come from airports. There's
0: always someone to meet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If or, you're flying somewhere, you're doing things. Yeah. You're going places.
1: Well, they're kind of like Walmart's at, like, 12 a.m. you know you just like catch a 10 second video of somebody doing something it's like that's quality material right there
0: <laughs> you might you might not have the the best experience at Walmart though i no. did when i came first came to the college station yeah i found out H E B was 24 hours it's not anymore because of the covid right but, but uh i found out it was at 24 hours yeah. and i just about lost my mind dude it's great it's amazing it's awesome i i've had a mini 3 a.m uh heb trips not saying that's healthy if you're trying to yeah
1: not sustainable yeah
0: it's an adventure too all right yeah preferred landscape i
1: like the forest maybe i'm weird i really like the forest i think just i mean trees in general i don't get a whole lot of trees in san antonio so maybe Mm -hmm. i'm just envious of Mm -hmm. all the other places that do have trees um but i think i used to go camping a lot and just some of the most beautiful places i've been are are very wooded and then you come out of the woods and you see the scenery hmm. or, the, or the mountain or the landscape that's on top of that. So it's kind of that everything's concealed for a bit hmm. and you're kind of like tracking a little bit aimlessly and then suddenly it's all before you.
0: Would landscape. you ever move to the forest?
1: Like as a hermit? Probably. <laughs> like <laughs> see,
0: Walden. <laughs> well, see, that that's the question, right? My yeah. my friend Hunter brought it up. is Is it unbiblical to like build your cabin in the woods yeah, be and be a live there with, monk. with your wife they tried that for a while <laughs> i'm
1: not sure it, it's not the best evangelism strategy unless yeah. you're trying to be missional with like the deer and the squirrels <laughs> so build your congregation with whomever you see fit but yeah i wouldn't recommend them as an audience man
0: yeah because I don't, I don't the city's fun i do like the, the city. there's a lot of noise
1: yeah yeah lots of light
0: too i i'm really bothered by that i think i'm just spoiled by austin because. Okay austin is like the most like nature city (laughs) yeah ever and uh so it of be like that you can always find nature spots but then you like walk you know or uber or whatever a little bit further and uh you're you're downtown (laughs) or you you're in the water and you're downtown it's still beautiful okay biggest insecurity if you have any
1: i've got back knee dude Mm. i've got bad back knee (laughs) Yeah, and I've I've tried, dude. I've like I honestly just don't stick with the medication. I'm not disciplined with that at all because it gives me like side effects, and I never yeah. quite figured that out. But yeah, like anybody, depression or something. Uh, like anxiety more so. Hmm. Yeah, I got there was one medication I was on. It made me like really like apprehensive, and I was like, I'm not about this life. Yeah, but it was like one of the strongest medications they had, and I was like, well, was not... what was it? Um, no, I can't remember the name of it. It was some some random pill I was taking. Yeah, didn't last long. Um, I don't know. And it just, it depends on the weather and stuff, but when it gets bad, it gets bad, dude. And I'm like, ugh, like you put a backpack on and it like,
0: Mm. yeah, yeah, it's bad. So
1: like, that's an insecurity for you. That's a, that's a physical insecurity. Yeah. I probably more existential insecurity is that, uh, I'm a fraud or something, Mm. you know, thinking like thinking I'm a fraud, um, or worry that other people perceive me as a fraud or fake. Um, that one gets me. A couple of times or like it really will keep me up at night if i'm like if i as as soon as i can see you know the difference in what i like practice and preach especially or if i can like recall specific instances of where i've been hypocritical i'm like
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh i hope nobody else saw that you know mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty deep if we're mm-hmm. looking for that one
0: mm-hmm. so like to give like a silver lining to that what, what are some ways that you have uh overcome that yeah or like it's just continue it, to
1: I mean, kind of having a healthy recognition of, I mean, it's not like, it's not like I'm ever going to wake up one morning and have never done anything wrong. You know, I can't avoid my past or run away from it. I have to own up to my actions and Mm. the choices that I've made. And so am I going to do that from a place of hypocrisy or self-righteousness? Or am I going to do that from a place of humility and say, you know what? God is bigger than all of that. And he is leading me through. Mm. So don't always have that mindset. Sometimes I get stuck in, you know, the self-deprecation Caleb was talking about earlier, but yeah, that, I mean, yeah, constantly being, being humbled by, I mean, by scripture, by Christ's example, realizing, dude, I'm not that. And,
0: you know, God is, God is better. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, any last words for the the kids at home? Anything that the Lord's been laying on your heart?
1: Yeah. Uh, Y'all can be missionaries, dude. You can, you are so incredibly capable of um, of preaching, of of teaching, of evangelizing, of reaching the lost. There are so many of your comments in Sunday school, whether you knew them or not, when you were 12 or 13, that inspire your pastors and make them think about the word differently. There are things that you do in the here and now that have eternal consequences for the better. There are lives that you're touching right now that you will see in heaven, and I can't wait to see you and them in paradise because that's
0: what we're all looking towards. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Cody for sure. And that's thank you to everybody. Listen, remember subscribe, like, and send this to your grandma. Uh, do not send it to any of your peers. No, like, not your granddad, Just your grandma. <laughs> just your grandma. Cause you gotta, you gotta respect your grandma. No, for, for real. If you enjoyed this, if you think it ministered to your heart or you think of someone uh, just pray honestly and and see if there's anyone in particular God highlights to see, for you to send this to, and it'll help us extend this ministry if you extend it. If you send it over, if you don't want to send it to anybody, eh, that's all right too. Yeah. But uh, put your enneagram. We, in we the still love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you really like this and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a whatever that's called five stars. Yeah, a rating or review. A review. review. Yeah. There you go. And then if you're on Spotify, give us a follow. It's gonna help increase everything. We're trying to grow this ministry to equip more Christians and speak of God in a great positive way. Um, thank you so much, dude. Yeah. This has lead, been a it, dude? Lot of fun. It's
1: been so fun. I love this. <laughs> love
0: this. So yeah, thank you, uh, you know, Cody for being on here and thank you for being encouraging yeah, thank with you. this and and uh you know, I'm just trying to you're doing a great job we're just on this journey together so
1: you're doing a great job dude it's gonna get better Mm -hmm. i can see it yes sir
0: thank you guys for listening we will see you next time Peace. peace